You're listening to the Oz TV podcast, only on the Oz Network. It is the Oz Network flashback Friday time for you, where we bring you a classic episode from the vaults of Survivor Oz, an interview, an episode, or something else in between. And this week we put to you two very big name winners in the history of Survivor, two people who are returning for season 40 of the all-winners season, that of course being Boston Rob Mariano and Tony Vlacos, uh, two esteemed players who are often regarded as some of the best who have ever played the game of Survivor. And this was a tricky one. I didn't know how this was going to sway when it came to the results in this one. Honestly, I actually was a bit surprised that Tony came out on top. I thought Boston Rob would have came out on top because we got a lot of positivity uh, around that episode when we did release it many years ago. But uh, at the end of the day, here we have the winner today, Tony. And personally, one of my favorite interviews. I, I huge Tony fan, and I really enjoy talking to him about his game. Had a lot of fun with him. And uh, I think the very infamous moment of me um, using my very bad Tony impersonation throughout season 28 when we did all the recaps and um, having a listener ask me to do it to him. So, yeah, you're going to hear that right now. Our uh, interview that we had with Tony Vlacos from season 28 of Kagayan from our Survivor Oz days. Hope you enjoy. Tony Vlacos competed on the 28th season of Kagayam, where he outwitted, outplayed, and outlasted 17 other contestants to be declared the sole survivor and million dollar winner. Through an aggressive, paranoid, and entertaining strategy, Tony bucked the trend when it came to big, over the top characters winning the show by surprising many and winning a lot of fans and becoming the 27th winner in the history of Survivor. I spoke to Tony about just how close he came to being on another season, why he was the driving force behind several other moves that other contestants were given credit for on air, as well as who he gave a fake idol to, and why he went online and posted comments on Survivor blogs and websites with fake profiles during the season airing on TV. Tony, massive pleasure to have you here on Survivor Oz. Hey, 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 what's going on, man? I'm glad to be here. Pleasure, pleasure to have you here. It's been a month, really, since this is all wrapped up, and you're only the uh, third contestant from your season we've had, the 18th winner from Survival we've had on this show. But uh, I'm sure for you, considering that you've also just welcomed a new child to the world, uh, things have been quite busy for you over the last month. Are you, are you coping, Tony? Is it all sort of settling down yet? Yeah, no, it's, 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 it's been tough. It's been a very tough year for me, actually. It's a lot going on, a lot of exciting stuff going on for me, you know, with the baby, with the, my wife being pregnant, with a 15-month-old, uh, with going on Survivor, with winning Survivor, with uh, all kinds of interviews. It, it, it hasn't stopped for me. It's been very tough. It's a bit overwhelming, but... Uh, I'm managing to keep my head above water, so that's all that counts right now. Mm, well, that's that's the main thing. It's uh, obviously been uh, that that roller coaster ride, which a lot of people experience when they go on to Survivor. But I mean, for, for yourself, Tony, bef- before you went on the show, I mean, how how much of a of a fan were you? I mean, you seem like a very big fan of the show. And, and what drew you into finally kind of putting that application in and applying to go on Survivor? Yeah, you know, I I, I was a fan of the show. I watched the show, uh, you know, many seasons. I've missed a few seasons, but I was never a, a real st- of it. I've never dissected the episodes, you know. I watched it for its entertainment purposes um, and just enjoyed the show, you know. But I've, I always wanted to apply for it and I always talked myself out of it. I used to say to myself, there's no way they're going to watch my video. There's no way they're going to just... I'm a nobody. I'm a regular Joe, Joe Blow, you know. So I figured that you have to know somebody in CBS, somebody's uncle's cousin, brother, sister that knows somebody there 
are the only people that are going to get on the show. That's what I used to think to myself. So finally, I said, you know what? Hey, I got nothing to lose. Let me throw in an application for a three-minute video together. And I got a call. Like like a couple of weeks later, I got the call. I was like, holy shit. I couldn't believe it. <laughs> and then and then the rest is history. I, I read somewhere uh, that you got close to being on another season as well. Car- and I think. It was Is that true? Did you get close to being on another season? Yeah. What happened was um, when I did my video, it was uh, January 2000. 12 mm-hmm. um and i and they called me right away I, I actually it was december 2011 january 2012 is when i got the call it was three weeks later after i did the videos latest december uh they called me in january and they told me they were filming in june 2012 and i told them i'm sorry i'm gonna have to defer it because i'm getting married in june of 2012 and they would tell me and there's no way you would uh <laughs> pretty much leave your fiance at the altar to come on the <laughs> show and i was like hell no <laughs> You know, it might be good for them, but it ain't good for me. You know, so um, but I had to defer it, and uh, and then I tried keeping in touch with them. You know, through, with the casting, and they just ignored all my emails. They ignored all my phone calls. So I was like, wow, because I deferred them. I didn't think they wanted to ever talk to me again. Wow. So that's it. I put it behind me, and I was like, you know what? It's all good. You know, I'm getting married, and that's all that matters to me right now. And then, and then, luckily for me, that they called me back again uh, a couple of months later after I had. I, I actually I got married in June. And then I had my, you know, I had a honeymoon baby. My baby was born February. So, and then they called me when my baby was four months old. And they told me, okay, are you still interested? And I'm like, oh, my goodness, I am interested, but now I have a little baby, so I might have to defer it again. And then I was like, you know what, there's no way I'm passing up on a chance of a lifetime twice, you know? Wow. So I was fortunate, yeah, I was fortunate enough to have a second chance. And, and you know, I went, I went for it. I left a four-month-old home. And, uh, you know, thank God everything worked out right. Yeah, and it's sort of all bookended then by, um, you know, your first child. And then you've come back, you've won, and then a couple of weeks later, you have your second child. So it's kind of like, uh, you know, bookended by your children. (laughs) That's what happens when CBS keeps you away from your family for 53 days of filming. (laughs) I come back and I get my wife pregnant right away. So it it, it wasn't planned, but uh, it worked out for the best because I have a baby boy now and I'm very happy. I'm very blessed. Yes. It's just beautiful. Family is what it's all about. Yeah, it's it's, it's amazing. I, I love hearing kind of when people... People get close to another season, and I generally ask, well, how do you think you would have gone on, on the other season? But I suppose in your case, it doesn't really matter, because you won the second season that you were on, uh, as in the one that you were, you know, asked to come back for. So, it, it's kind of interesting. Did, did you watch Caramoan at all, thinking to yourself, well, this is how I would have played, or did you think how you would have gone on that season? You know what it is, Ben? Uh, uh, chemistry and luck have a lot to do with a, a show like Survivor, with a game like that. You know, you go on there, and if you don't click with anybody, there's no chemistry with anybody there's no way you perform strong bonds like I did with Wu like I did with Trish that there was a lot of chemistry that people don't see I didn't brainwash Trish to be my best ally I didn't brainwash Wu it was just chemistry we just had something because you know like sometimes you can meet people in the street and you just don't click and you're like you know what you don't even want to listen to them talk and then sometimes you can click with somebody because of chemistry and you'll 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 listen to anything they talk about. Mm. You know, and, and that's 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 so you know, on Caramoa, maybe I would have went there and I would have clicked with every single body out there. You know, or vice versa. Maybe I wouldn't click with nobody and I would have got voted off the first one. Yeah. So that's why it's you know, this season was my lucky season and it, it, you know, luck luck is huge, man, you know. So I, I, I definitely I definitely say that you know, everything happened for a reason. Uh, the Caramon, I didn't go on there for a reason. I went on this one for a reason. I won for a reason. You know, so everything happens for a reason, and luck has a lot to do with it. Yeah, very much so. Going into the season, did you kind of just 
on sort of what you were just mentioning, think you would just go in with an empty mind and just see what happens? Or did you kind of go into the game planning on certain things that you would try and do uh, in those initial moments of, of the game starting? Yeah, well, there, there was um, really, there was no uh, planning. Like, you can't really plan for something. Like, there's nothing textbook about Survivor. I mean, we all know that as fans. You, you can't, you know, you, you can't go in there thinking it's textbook. So, you know, you go in there with a, some kind of basic strategy. The basic strategy was, I'm going to find two or three people that I can align myself with, a strong person that can win challenges, a social person that can talk to people, and, you know, and you go in there thinking like that. And then as soon as we get there, they have a tribe of six people, three tribes of six. So that strategy goes out the window because now you have six people in one tribe, so there's not really much people you can you can hide behind, and there's not many people you can really work with without the other person not knowing. So, you know, that, that strategy just went out the window and everything became situational, and it was just a, a lot of adapting. You know, you just got to adapt with every moment of the game. And uh, and I, as soon as I went in there, I, I did try to stick to my uh, my my strategy that was on paper before going into the show. So I did uh, talk with Wu because I thought Wu was a very athletic person. I, I thought he'd be very good in challenges. And I talked with Cliff because Cliff was very social. He was very outgoing. He, he was just always laughing. He was always, you know, charismatic. So I made my alliances with those two. And I was like, wow, this paper strategy is working so far, even with a group of six. <laughs> and then I built my spy shack because I started feeling, I started seeing Cliff walking around with Lindsay all the time. I went to Cliff so many times and say, Cliff, what are you guys talking about? Oh, nothing, Tony. You got to stop being paranoid, brother. You got to cool, you got to chill out. We're just talking, you know? And I'm like saying to myself, there's no way. You, you guys are talking about something. So that's when I came up with the spy shack. Yeah. And, uh, and, 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 and you know, and production sacrificed a lot of their footage so they don't jeopardize my game. So that's why you didn't see a lot of footage of me being in a spy shack. But I was in that spy shack sometimes two, three hours a day sometimes, listening to people talk in the shelter, you know? Yeah. And uh, they didn't really show that on the air, which was which was good for my game because, you know, they didn't they didn't blow up my cover. You know, if they were hovering over me with cameras, people would be like, hey, what's going on behind the shelter, you know? <laughs> uh, I definitely want to find out more about that idea because it's, it's an idea to me that uh, it surprised me that not, a lot of people in the history of Survivor have done more because from a from a fan, it's easy for me to sit here and say, well, look, I would always be paranoid wondering around what people are saying, kind of like what you were saying. And it's it's sort of interesting that we haven't really seen across the history of the show people building a spy shack or, or you know, really trying to hover around people a lot more to really hear what they're trying to say. Yeah, you know, again, it was... Uh, I, Cliff created the monster that I was out there, you know, because <laughs> I trusted him in the beginning, you know, we shook hands and we're like, all right, us three, we're going to just run the show. And then when I started seeing him veering off, and then I would go to him and say, well, what is Cliff talking about? What's going on? And we would tell me, oh, no, nothing. They're just, they're just talking about nothing. And I started saying to myself, you know what? Come on, guys. And that's when I said, how am I going to find out what these people are saying? How am I going to get to the bottom of this? And, and that's when the plan came out. I was like, you know what? They're always in the shelter because it's always raining. It was always raining over there. So everybody was always underneath the shelter. And I was always cutting pom-poms. I was always foraging for, for coconuts or papayas. I was always keeping busy. So it wasn't suspicious when I was gone for an hour or two hours a day, you know, three hours a day. I would just go out there looking for idols. I would go cut pom-poms. I was always out of the shelter. So when they were in the shelter talking... I would go from behind, I would run up behind the beach where nobody saw me coming, and I would go right into my little spy shack. And the way the spy shack was, uh, was created was, there was a, the, the shelter had a wall, and behind that wall, I made another wall. So I had like a two-foot gap in between the walls where I used to just hide in there and just listen. Sometimes I would be in there, like I said, two, three hours a day while it was raining, and just listening to them talk. And a lot of times, they, you know, you would hear some strategy talk, but for the most part, it was more talk about home life, you know? 
And that, to me, scared me more. Because when you're talking to somebody about your wife, your kids, and your life at home, that's, that's real bonds there, you know? And when you form real bonds, they're hard to crack. So that, to me, was more dangerous than strategy talk. Because strategy talk changes minute by minute. But bonds, real strong bonds, they don't change, you know? Yeah. They last a long time. Yeah, yeah. Well, who who were some of the people kind of that you were noticing were really bonding, particularly maybe more so than, than we ever got to see on our screens? Yeah, it was, well, Cliff, Cliff and Lindsay were tight. Sarah and Lindsay were tight. And then Cliff and Wool were tight. So that leaves four of them. <laughs> four against me and Trish, you know. So so that's when I talked to Trish. And me, actually, Trish helped me with the spice act as well because I would say, Trish, do me a favor. I told Trish about the spice act and I said, Trish, let's work the spice act together. I need you to go into the shelter while I'm hiding behind the spy shack. You go into the shelter and start a conversation about who's going to go home first if, you know, if we lose a challenge. And then what I need you to do, Trish, is walk back out. You know, let, so when you walk out, I want to hear what they say behind your back. Wow. You know, and she would go in there and she would do just that and then walk away. And I'm sitting in there and I'm listening. And they're like, you know, we got to get rid of Trisha Tony first. You know, <laughs> I would get Cliff say that to Lindsay and in front of Wu. So, and then when I would confront Wu and say, Wu, what's going on? What are you guys talking about? We would say, oh, nothing, man. You know, we're just, we're just playing the game. We're not, nothing's going on. And that's when I came up with the name Weasel Wu. I don't know if you've heard that. No, I haven't. The very no. beginning now. Yeah. When it, it was in the very beginning when I said, I said, you know what? I want to hear what useless Cliff and Weasel Wu are talking about. You know, because I, that, that's what I called him because I thought he was being a weasel to me because he was lying to me all the time, you know? But he wasn't really lying to me. He was just trying to stay with the majority of the numbers. You know, I don't blame him for that. That's um, so figured crazy. That Cliff, yeah. So Cliff. Cliff, Lindsay, and Sarah were strong, and Wu was just right in there, too. So it was them four against me and Trish. So I was on the bottom from that alliance right from the start because, you know, I, like I said, me and Cliff started talking, and then he, he, uh, he, he substituted me for Lindsay. Well, that seems, it kind of explains a little bit then, I suppose, which I'll get to, no doubt, about the, the Cliff uh, vote, because there kind of seemed to be this target on Cliff that to a lot of people, it, it kind of seemed to just come out of nowhere. I mean, it, it sort of all really came down to him being as, as popular as he was and also the group that he had going. So it was kind of countering that when you got Sarah on side with, with you and Trish as well. Yes, yes, absolutely. Uh, it had nothing to do with what Cliff did for profession. It had nothing to do with what Cliff has in his bank account. That didn't matter to me at all. What mattered to me was that Cliff was a number, but a number against me. And that's why I was saying to my confessionals, I said, this guy's very influential. And, you know, and I, and I said, I'm going to kill the lion because he was the king of the jungle at that moment. And then I'm going to kill his cubs, which was Lindsay, Sarah, and Wu. <laughs> so that's when I was, when I said all that, that's what I was referring to because he turned his back on me. He, you know, he, he burnt me, you know, and it, and it kind of hurt because, you know, we were both from North Jersey, you know, and we clicked and we were like, hey, come on, me and you click, let's run the show together. And then when I seen him, he was like, you know, when I was listening to him talk behind my back, trying to get rid of me, and you seen in the confessionals too, uh, you know, I didn't make it up. You seen when he said him, Wu, and Lindsay were tight. Remember mm. that? In the yeah. confessionals, yeah. people say that. So, you know, I was 100% correct on what I was listening to. And that's why I wanted to get Cliff out, because I know Cliff was against me. And if we went um, into the merge with Cliff being there, he could influence other people into voting me out. So I was like, you know what? I'm going to try to get rid of Cliff as soon as I can. But, um, and that's when I, Sarah, I turned Sarah against them with a lie. Because I knew, I knew I couldn't turn Lindsay. I knew I couldn't turn Cliff. So I said, you know what? Let me use Sarah. Let me use the cops arresting with Sarah because Sarah really is really big on the cop thing. You know, she really loves her job. She loves her profession. She was all she was doing was talking about her profession. You know how how she uh, how she loves her job. And I used to listen. I was like, wow, this girl is really blue blood. So I said, whenever I need, even if I wasn't a cop, 
I would have told her I'm a cop because I knew how much that meant to her. Mm -hmm. So even if I was really a construction worker, at that moment when I needed her, I would have told her, listen, Sarah, I'm a cop. And I would have got in, I would have got close in with her like that. Wow! So even if I wasn't a cop, I would have definitely lied to her. Wow! That would have so, been uh, an interesting yeah. play. <laughs> yeah. Oh no! And I would have definitely I would have definitely pulled it off for sure. You know, because everything, like I said, everything out there is situational and it's got to be spontaneous. That's the only way you could really uh, be successful out there. And at that moment, I was saying to myself because we were getting really close to some kind of swap because the the brains team was getting decimated. So I was saying to myself, I got to make a move now. That's why I had to come up with a lie at that point because I was saying to myself, if we go to the next challenge and we lose, there's no way I could go to Sarah and tell her a lie like that because she's going to think that it's a desperate move. She's going to think that I'm trying to make a move because we just lost the challenge. So I said to myself, let me do it before we go to a challenge so she can say to herself, there's no reason for Tony to lie to me about this right now, so he must be telling the truth. And that's why I did what I did because I was anticipating a, a tribe swap and I wanted to make sure that I have Sarah on my side before we do swap or before something gets shuffled up. Wow, that's incredible. And I, I'm sure, I mean, from what we were watching at that point, when initially we see her calling you out as a cop and then you sort of deny it and then you come out and admit that you really are, and we're sort of thinking at that point, well, surely she's not going to trust Tony. So, sure, you know, he's just blatantly lied to her and she's called that out. But she was quick to all of a sudden be back to, oh, I trust him, I trust him. Were, were you surprised that she kind of, you know, trusted you so quickly despite the fact that you'd blatantly lied to her early on? Well, yes, because there was an explanation behind me telling her I was a cop at that point. And the explanation was what you guys didn't see as fans. But the first 10 minutes of the show, like I said, me, Wu, and Cliff shook hands with each other and we formed an alliance. And at that moment, we all asked each other what we did for a living. That's when Cliff told us about his basketball. Wu told us about he was a taekwondo and a surfer. And I told him I was into construction. So now we're after I told most of my alliance I'm into construction, Sarah comes up to me and says, what do I do for a living? At that point, I'm not going to tell Sarah, oh, yeah, I'm a cop, but everybody else, I told I'm a construction worker. So that was the point that I had to, that's why I liked Sarah at that point, you know, because she came up to me after I already told people I'm into construction. So, so after I came up to her and I came clean and I said, listen, Sarah, I'm really a cop. I'm sorry I lied to you about being a construction worker. That's because I told Cliff, I told Wu that I was into construction and I didn't want you to go back and blow up my spot. But now I heard Cliff is talking about you and I don't like that. So I need to work with you, and that's why I'm coming clean with you today. So that explanation to her made her really say, oh, you know what? Tony came clean with me. He explained to me why he lied to me in the beginning. It makes all the sense in the world. I'm going to trust them, and that's how that happened. Do you think Sarah's edit was fair early on? Because, I mean, she started off pretty strong in that first episode, but then as, as the edit got on, I mean, she kind of dropped away. I don't, I don't want to call her coming across as dumb. I don't want to use that word openly. But, I mean, it just seemed like her edit was very unfair on the way she was playing. Did you, did you think that was fair on her? Um, you know, I guess that's a really, uh, uh, from a, uh, I guess, a, a question for production. I don't know what, you know, like, like Sarah, you know, they, they emphasized a lot on her being wrong towards the end when they knew that her story was coming to an end. I don't know why they were really doing that. I mean, Sarah was on point with things, you know. She she was she was sharp, you know. She was sharp. She knew what was going on all the time. But I don't know why, uh, towards the end, I don't know why they kept emphasizing, I'm, I'm the one that's going to decide everybody's fate. I'm the one that's going to do this. I'm the one, I don't know why they did that to her. Mm. Um, I really don't. But, uh... Maybe, <laughs> you know what, I don't, again, that's, they have a story to tell, you know, so <laughs> that was their story they wanted to tell, that's what they showed. It set it up for an epic blindside, kind of, when she surprisingly, you know, I'm the king of the jungle, and then all of a sudden, no, you're not, you voted out. <laughs> yeah, that, you know what, <laughs> that could be it, I guess that's it, because, yeah, you know, Sarah was sharp, and you've seen it, she was trying to orchestrate 
throwing the challenge for Cliff. So she did have power. She did have influence out there. She, uh, you know, she, she seen she had Wu, she had Trish. You know, she went to people and she started making moves, and they were they were going for it. You know, they were really going for it. Did, but uh, it just happened to be that they didn't win the cha- they didn't lose the challenge. I didn't know about that challenge, by the way. I, she never told me anything about that one. Right, right. So that was a case of uh, were you the only one who didn't know that you were they were trying to throw the challenge or? Yeah, yeah, me and obviously Cliff and Lindsay. But uh, the thing is, with because there was talks about previous seasons where people threw challenges, you know, it just came about just nonchalantly, and I was very against that. I was like, no, that's stupid. I would never do that. You know, I, I would never want to throw a challenge. So I guess that stuck in our head later on in the game when she did want to throw a challenge. And I guess you knew how I felt about it. That's why she w- she left me out of it, I guess. They, they kind of picked a very strange one to, to throw that it turned out that had a, a basketball element to it that I'm sure Cliff uh, was not going to lose. <laughs> yeah, but yeah, you know what, though? I mean, the, the, the part on that challenge where they, they were supposed to lose it was in the water. Nobody was supposed to go down deep and get that buoy. It's very easy to say I couldn't get it. You know, So it didn't even have to get to the point where Cliff had the ball in his hand. They could have still thrown it had they wanted to. You know, So obviously... I guess Wu had a second thoughts and didn't want to throw it because she's the one that went down there and got the two deepest buoys. Yeah. All he had to do was go. Yeah. All he had to do was go halfway down and come right back up and say, "Oh, I'm unsuccessful. I can't get the balls. I can't get the buoys." And it would have been that simple to throw it if you really wanted to, 100. percent Well, it, it's it's always a case, I suppose, when a tribe is is doing so well and that you're not losing that um you know that that question obviously as you just mentioned comes up. But, um, you know, I mean, as much as it is uh, sort of a negative not getting rid of people, it's, it's always about surely the momentum early on in the game to maintain those numbers, as you were saying, for when the switch comes, which you guys went in with the, the clear numbers advantage. Yeah, no, no, of course. But, but, but again, like I mentioned to you earlier, uh, numbers only good if, if they're numbers that work with you. If they're working against you, obviously you don't want those numbers around. So, you know, I could definitely see where Sarah was coming from, you know. If she really, you know, remember, that lie I gave her is enough to really scare somebody. Hey, listen, they were gunning for you all along right underneath your nose, and you didn't know about it. So that's enough to wake you up and say, you know what, I got to make a move now, you know. So I definitely understand where Sarah was coming from because if she, you know, because in her mind, that lie I told her was real. You know, meanwhile, Cliff and Lindsay are all, you know, all peaches and cream with her. And then here I am telling her, hey, listen, they're lying to you. They're ready to get rid of you. So at that point, you know, that, that, that definitely sets a fire underneath your butt, and you want to make a move. So I see where she was coming from because you don't want to go with the numbers that are against you to the other side because mm. you know that they're going to flip on you at that, at that moment. So, yeah, you, I could definitely see why you would throw a challenge, you know, when you know a merge is coming up. Because, you know, again, on paper, you always want to go into the merge with numbers. But again, you don't see what goes on out there. You don't know how people feel about you out there. So you don't want to carry these, your enemies across to the other side where they're going to be against you. You want to get rid of them before you go to the other side. You know, and that, that was what, that, that, as a matter of fact, that's what happened when we did the tribe swap. When we went over to the Solana tribe, it was five bronze against LJ and Jeffra. Hmm. At that moment, I wanted Cliff gone too. I didn't want to go to the merge with Cliff. So that's why at that moment I said, you know what, you know, instead of losing the challenge, we didn't have to, you know, we didn't do it on purpose, but being that we lost, I'd rather get rid of Cliff than LJ, because now, listen, LJ, I'm saving you, man. Right now, you guys should have went home. You and Jeffra should have went home, but I'm going to save you guys, so I need reciprocation on this one. I need you to, the, 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 you know, to make sure you have my back later on. 
but I'm going to get rid of Cliff because I knew Cliff wasn't part of my number. You know what I mean? He wasn't on my side. He was against me. How, well, how did that sort of idea, when, when that came to that vote, because, I mean, it, it seemed from what we saw of the edit that it was sort of perceived as, as Trish's idea. I mean, was it all Trish? Was it both of you guys? Was it more you, but they kind of gave more credit to Trish? I mean, how how did that all play out? Yeah, that, 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 was, that was the editing because, uh, because of... I guess they wanted the drama again to show that I was indecisive at that moment because I was the one that was running around. I wanted Cliff gone from the very beginning. I turned Cyro against Cliff. I said I wanted to kill the, 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 the lion and then kill his cubs. I wanted Cliff gone for so long, you know. So I guess at that moment, I mean, they had to have footage of me saying I wanted LJ gone, you know. Mm-hmm. So I don't know where they got that footage from, but they did get the footage where it says I'd rather get rid of LJ, and they showed me trying to convince Cliff not to get rid of Cliff, but I don't know where that came from, to be honest with you, because I knew, I knew we had to get rid of Cliff, you know, so I, I really don't know. I mean, again, if, if Trish was 100% Cliff, I was 100% Cliff, then everybody would know what's going on. Everybody would know that that would have been an easy vote off. Mm. So that's why I guess the editing had a lot to do with that uh, indecisive vote. I mean, you know, I knew as soon as we did the tribe swap, I was already tugging on LJ's pants. Like, when we got the bus on, on the beach when we first swapped, I was tugging on LJ's pants without nobody seeing me, like, letting him, giving him a signal, like, LJ, I need to talk to you before anybody else gets to you. I'm work- I want to work with you, you know? I let him know. I gave him the signal, you know? Yeah. So that was right from the tribe swap. I was already, I already sending the, the message to LJ that I want to work with them. Did you also do that? I mean, I suppose you kind of said that you did as well, but I mean, keeping him close because for, for a large portion of that game, uh, a lot of people were picking LJ as the winner, kind of, you know, floating under the radar. He's strong. There were so many elements about him that people were seeing as a winner. I mean, when you're playing, are you seeing that as well? That, look, this guy can potentially win this whole thing. I need to keep him close so I can get rid of him. Yeah, no, what, what happened was, um, you know, we've seen LJ, you know, when we were all competing against each other, the three tribes, we've seen LJ, he was very, very powerful in the challenges. He was very good in the puzzles, he was very physical in the obstacles, and, you know, they, they, you could see LJ was a standout guy there, and we, we were like, wow, we were all threatened by LJ's physical abilities, you know? So then when we did the tribe swap, I started talking to LJ, and LJ was very strategic. He was always thinking two steps ahead, he was always planning things out right. And I was like, all right, this is a guy that I definitely have to keep my eyes on, you know? And then when we came to the... And then when I got rid of Cliff, again, I got rid of Cliff because he was against me. LJ at that point was not against me, and there was no reason for him to be against me. And I'm saying to myself, especially if I get rid of Cliff instead of LJ, LJ owes me, you know, he owes me. You know, he's like, wow, Tony must must be real close to me and, you know, loyal to me because he's willing to get rid of one of his own for me. So I'm going to stay true to him. You know, so I'm thinking of all that stuff, and uh, and I'm saying to myself, there has to be a point in the game where I have to try to turn my back on LJ because if I don't, he's going to get really deep in the game. But again, when I did get rid of LJ, it wasn't it wasn't a sort of from that very first day that I swapped with him, like, oh, I'm going to get rid of LJ at number nine. You know, there was nothing to do with numbers. It just has to do with the situation. Yeah, yeah, and sort of adapting as it goes along. When Cliff goes, uh, we get back to camp. Lindsay and Trish go at it. Lindsay obviously quits. Uh, how much more heated was this argument, Tony, than what we got to see on TV? Yeah, no, the argument, the argument was, it was, it was, it was heated. It was very, it was deep, you know, and, uh, it was totality of the circumstances for Lindsay, you know, it was, the, the, you know, from the very beginning, she had a, I, I believe it was an ear infection she had. I don't know if you've seen when we were blindfolded in that challenge where we won the chickens. It was me and Lindsay. She was blindfolded. I don't know if you've seen how she was just falling over. 
because her equilibrium was shot, you know, okay. from her from her ear being infected. So she was she was hurting out there, you know. She had the ear problem. She had the stomach problem. She couldn't use the bathroom, and she was always in pain. Um, it was raining on her all the time. She was getting soaked and wet. She lost her toenail from her legs being from her toes being so waterlogged from the rain. And and then I guess the the, the straw that broke the camel's back was her her strongest ally, Cliff, was voted off. So at that point, she was like, you know what, man, I don't know what the hell I'm doing here. I'm fighting with this this person that I can't stand. I lost Cliff. I'm getting wet. I don't think I have a chance of getting far or even winning this game. So what the hell am I torturing myself for? I think that's what that's what happened. Why she quit? You know, I don't think she quit just because she had a fight with with a Trish. I think it was a totality of all the circumstances. You know. Yeah, and, it, and it's a win, of course, for yourself or all of you guys as well. Because I mean, it, it's sad, is it? No doubt is to to see Lindsay go, someone who you have played with from the start. There's one less person you've got to beat. So uh, you know, deep down, as much as you're trying to be sympathetic, you're also kind of going, "Well, this is good for us in the long term." Yeah, no, definitely. So that, you know, the, that, that whole situation there. You know, like I said. Uh, you know, two for the price of one, because Lindsay would have been the next one, the next person out if we would have lost another challenge. You know, we were just going to try to take them out one by one. You know, it would have been Cliff, it would have been Lindsay, and then it would have been Wu. Because at that point, I still, you know, I still didn't trust Wu because, again, from what he was doing with Cliff and Lindsay, you know? Yeah. What What does it take to get Jeff Probst to come to camp, Tony? What What does Lindsay say? Is it just a case of the producers, can you get Jeff, I want to leave, or is there more to it than that? <laughs> Well, no, no, that, that's that's about it. <laughs> I, I listen. I, I'm about I'm about to quit the show. I don't want to be here no more. You know, if I stay here, I'm going to wind up getting into a physical altercation. I need I need to leave now. I want to get out of here now. So at that point, you know, Jeff's not going to let her stay. You know, on the on the beach and sleep with Lindsay. I mean, with Trish because they might get into a fist fight. So I, at that point, he comes to the beach. You know, he has to come and listen to her. And 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 you know, I guess he makes an assessment there. He like tries to talk her to stay, or he just tells her, "Okay, I'm gonna grant your wish. You're out of here." And you know, I guess he he chose the latter because uh, I guess she kept telling him that she was going to get physical. Mm. And you know, at that point, you don't want you don't you don't want that to happen. You know, it's not good for business. No, no, not at all. I mean, given that Trish in that situation too is really showing a temper, we've seen a little bit of it as well. Are you thinking also long term, maybe with Trish, that she's going to be someone good to keep with you because she's going to get people offside a lot more, and that she's somebody that you can easily beat down the line because people will be a bit pissed off at her down the line. No, 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 no. That, you know, that, it, it's so hard to think of that far, far, far ahead with people. Like like a lot of people saying, oh, why would you get rid of Cliff? Cliff is a, is a millionaire. Nobody would give him the money. But people got to understand, you, you don't carry somebody from the very beginning all the way to the end as a GOAT. You don't, you know, you, you just don't think like that. You just start thinking about GOATs when you're like top five and six people left in the game. You don't think about who you want to get to the end with all the way from the beginning. So how the way I played my game was I, you know, Everybody's a number, but each one of those numbers, I assign the value to them. So, for example, Trish was one of my numbers, and I assigned the value to her. So if her value was high on that tribal council, I wouldn't even want to vote her off. If it was low, she's gone. And that's how everybody, whoever was less, the least valuable to me in the game is the person I voted off. So that's how I would do. So every single day, like the stock market, those values on these people will change all the time. So to me, it was I didn't even care about alliances. I didn't care about numbers. I just cared who was valuable to me at that moment. And that's how I played the game. And that's why I kept flip-flopping and flip-flopping and flip-flopping. That, you know, if somebody... If some, uh-huh. I was going to say, that that is just a, a very interesting way of playing it. And that's why I think your win is very unique and and also I think it, it, it does and we'll we'll get to this point eventually but 
some people do draw comparisons to the way you played and the way Russell played, of course, and I'm sure you've heard those comparisons over and over again. But it's um, it's just kind of fascinating that it, you, the way you look at it like that, that you play that way and it works. And I, I think I've read and sort of seen in some of your other interviews that at no point did you believe you were in control. I mean, th- is that true, that at no point you thought you were in control of the game? At no point whatsoever, even when I had idols, and you've seen that. I had idols and I was still playing as if I didn't have an idol because at no point did I want to put my guards down and I made a conscious effort to keep telling myself, Tony, do not get lax. Keep your guards up. Tony, do not trust this person. Tony, do not trust this person. Tony, do not stop listening to what these people are saying about you. And, and it, at no point did I stop playing the game. And, um, and, and that's what happened. I never got lax. I never put my guards down. I made a conscious effort to keep, you know, a lot of people... You know, they would call it paranoia, but it was a controlled paranoia. You know, it was controlled. I knew, uh, you know, I knew exactly what I was doing. But at the same time, I never, ever felt comfortable in a game where I could put my guards out, and I'm thankful for that. Yeah. Because, you know, once you get comfortable in that game, then, then, then you, you, you sleep on people. And once you sleep on people, <laughs> that's when they ask you. <laughs> that's very true, very true. And, I mean, how much of, of, of your experience as a, as a police officer does it help kind of reading people and sort of, you know, trying to anticipate what people are going to do? Because in, in your everyday life, in your job, that's what you have to do with people on the streets. So can you obviously bring that element of your day-to-day life into a game like Survivor? Oh, yeah, absolutely. You know, like on the streets... Uh, Again, on the streets, you know, if you put your guards down, you're losing your life. You know what I mean? In the game, you put your guards down, you're losing the game. So, you know, I never put my guards down in the street. You know, somebody comes up to me to ask me a question, and they have their hands in their pocket. Excuse me, officer, can you tell me how to get to this street? Hey, listen, get your hands out of your pocket, and I'll answer all your questions. You know, so while they have their hands in their pocket, they could be the nicest person in the world. But listen, I want to see your hands. I want to see what you have in your pockets. You know, you can't just come up to me with your hands in your pockets. And that's the kind of, you know, it's not paranoia. It's cautious. I'm a cautious person in life. I'm a cautious person in the game. You know, I need to know what's going on. So I'm, I'm very vigilant. I'm very cognizant. I know what's going on around my surroundings. Um, you know, my, my job is to, is to try to detect who's lying to me and who's not. The game is so much easier because they tell you, hey, Tony, everybody in this island is here to lie to you. <laughs> That's what they're there for. <laughs> so it's, a sim- it's so simple. It's like I'm on an island with a bunch of people that are wet, willing to lie to me and will lie to me so they can get to the end. So it was so much easier because I knew now, you know, part of my job is to identify the threats. When I'm on that island, they're all threats. So it was was so much easier. They're all my threats. But what I had to identify was which one of them, like I said, back to the value thing, which one of them is most threatening to me, which one is less threatening to me, which one is most valuable to me, which one is least valuable to me. So it was always a constant. It was constantly changing. If this person wins an immunity, this person is the next one that's going to be uh, least valuable to me. This one's going to be most threatening to me. So it was always changing. The variables always changed for me. It was sickening. Like one day, you know, like during the daytime, I'll tell Trish, Trish, listen, I swear I'm with you. I swear my father's grave. I swear my family. I swear everybody. And then at the end of the night, things change. Spencer wins immunity. This person wins immunity. And you know what? It's either I keep my promises and stay on the sinking ship and drown, or I got to break my promises. I didn't want to break promises, but I had to do them. And that was all strategic. You know, I had to break my promises. You know, if I stayed with my promises, I would have drowned on the sinking ship. 
and I didn't want to do that. And is it also a part, too, because I know a lot of people struggle in Survivor that they go into it thinking that way, that I'm going to promise you've got to break promises, you've got to backstab, you've got to do all this. And emotionally, it can get to people because it's hard for some people, I suppose, to say one thing, then do another, and then get called out for it, if you know what I mean. So, I mean, is, is there kind of an element then that you found difficult of, of you know, breaking promises and then having to, to face the music when you get called out for it? You know, you, you know. Again, like before, you go into the game. You don't, you don't want to do that because you know you, you, you see the bitter, uh, bitter jury syndrome, mm-hmm. and you don't want to do anything offensive to these people because every single person that you start the game with are potential jurors. So you have to already go into the game saying to yourself, "Listen, this person to my right can be a juror. This person to my left can be a juror." So you want to treat everybody with respect, and you don't want to be offensive to nobody, and you don't want to make stupid promises that you can't keep. Unfortunately for me. Uh, when I was making the promises, my heart was in the right place. It, it really was. It wasn't my strategy to promise people to make them trust me. It was really, and my heart was really in the right place when I was doing it, but at the wrong time. You know, your heart takes, you know, your emotions take over in that game because that's all you have left out there once you lose everything, you know. You, you, you get stripped of everything, you know, and you're, you're starving and, and you're dehydrated and you're freezing and you're soaked and wet. And, and you know, you don't sleep. You sleep deprived. And emotions, emotions, they just come right through you. And, you know, I had a lot of emotional moments where I'm screaming top five, baby. Do you remember that? <laughs> yes. <laughs> that, you know, that was emotions. That wasn't, you know, that wasn't strategic. That wasn't a move. It was just a moment. It was an emotional moment. Me clapping my hands at tribal council when Sarah got voted off, it had nothing to do with it was who got voted off. It just had to do with the fact that none of us got hurt, you know? Yeah. So, you know... The emotions, you can't, even if you wanted to contain them, you couldn't. You just can't. It's just spontaneous. It just comes out. This this is where this season, uh, your season, is just such a great season because we are so used to certain type of people winning or certain ways of people winning. And, you know, as I was saying before, LJ, I think, for a very long period of the game was tipped as a winner. He goes home. We're all shocked. Who's going to win? We didn't know. Um, and we'd gotten used to having a few seasons in a row where the winner was pretty obvious from a certain point. Whereas, as yourself, again, kind of, you know, inching back to those comparisons to Russell, you know, you're an emotional guy. You're shouting things out like, top five, baby, top five. You know, you've got idols. You're running. You're doing all these things which just we're used to players like that, the personality players not winning. I mean, when you're watching this, are, are you enjoying watching it when you're not having to kind of deal with all the emotions and actually getting to sit back and enjoy the game for, for what it is as a viewer? Oh, yeah. You know, I mean, I, I guess I feel like majority of the fans out there, you know, like, I was actually rooting against myself because I, I you know, it's like a, it's not really. I mean, it's like a, it's like a natural instinct for people. Like you know, when you see, you know, I, I use this comparison a lot because that's exactly what it's like. When you when you see a, a lion chasing down a gazelle in the Sahara, you're, you're voting, you're, you're rooting for the gazelle to get away. Nobody wants to see the aggressor win. Everybody wants to see the underdog win. So when you see this lion chasing this gazelle, you're, you're rooting for the gazelle. Please, gazelle, get away, get away. You don't want to see that lion catch that gazelle and devour it. And it's the same thing with me. Like when I'm watching, when I was watching the show, I was like, "Wow, it just looks like I'm overpowering everything. Like everything is working for me. I'm the aggressor. I'm the power player. Everything was like it was just too much, you know." And as a as a fan, you're like, "Oh man, somebody somebody dethroned this person, you know?" <laughs> like in every week, every week is like, "Come on, this is the week you gotta get him. You gotta get him. You can't sleep on him." <laughs> and it's you know, and you're seeing people like Spencer, the underdog, which is the gazelle. You know, he happens to be the gazelle this season, and you're just like, "Come on, gazelle, get away, get away." And you see Spencer's telling everybody, guys, Tony's a threat. You gotta get rid of Tony. Hey, guys, open your eyes. 
What are you doing? Tony's stealing this game. He's going to win it against the end. And I'm watching this, and I'm like, oh, my God. So every week I would say to myself, you got to get rid of Tony this week. And, you know, it was just, again, you know, and, and the editing this season, the editing was phenomenal. Yeah. Because, you know, if, it, if, it was, if this was two, three seasons ago, they would have made me look like the most brilliant genius in the world. They would they would not, not have showed any of my faults. They wouldn't have showed nothing. They would have just showed me just strategically playing this game like a genius. But that's how come they tricked everybody. They showed my flaws. They showed my imperfections. They showed my emotional breakdowns, my, you know, my spontaneous utterances. They showed all that, which made you guys not think that Tony was going to win this, this season, you know? Yeah, absolutely. And that's, again, what made this season so great. And, I mean, several of the people that work on our show, um, I, I can't remember the specific vote, but one of our Oslets, he, he flat out said at one point, there is absolutely no way Tony is winning this game. He's like, I've, uh, there's not, <laughs> not a single chance in hell that he is walking away <laughs> as, a, as a millionaire. And when, and when you won, he's kind of like, well, I was wrong. <laughs> You, you know, and, and that's, that's most of the case with a lot of people. Everybody was saying the same thing, you know, because, again, the editing in the past, you know, they showed it. They just showed it. You, you knew it was a clear path to victory because, again, they, they didn't show the faults that they were showing with me, you know. Mm. They were showing a lot of faults with me, and that's what, you know, like I said, if, if they, they could have edited me to make me the most brilliant winner in the history of Survivor, but they didn't. They didn't want the fans to know that I won, so they showed my flaws, which every single winner has a lot of flaws. But in the past, they edited it out, so you didn't see people's flaws. That's why you can rank them as the best players of the seasons, because you didn't see their flaws because of editing, you know? So that's, that's, that was the difference in this season, and that's what made it so much more enjoyable, because you never knew who was going home, and you never knew who was going to win. Hmm. Very, very true. I mean, one of the situations, you sort of brought up Spencer there before, um, the situation where he plants the idea in your head that there's an all-woman's alliance and, and the night that Jeffra went home. I mean, when you're watching that episode back and kind of seeing, you know, Spencer in the confessionals going, oh, Tony's believing me, Tony's believing me. I mean, I mean, what's your yeah. kind of viewpoint when, you, when you're watching that back, realising how he was, I suppose, playing you at that point? Yeah, see, I, 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 I wish you would go back and watch that. He, he never played me at all. That. I'm the one who went up to him and I said, listen, it looks like an all-girls alliance is brewing. And then he tells me, and then he starts talking to me about the girls' alliance to make it, you know, I, I, again, they made it look like he was planting seeds in my head. But and, and in my confessional, I even said it. I said, listen, Spencer's in a desperate position right now. He'll tell me anything. It's time for me to take matters in my own hands. I clearly said that in a confessional because that's exactly what it was about. Nobody could, nobody could influence me. Nobody could t- plant seeds in my head. I was playing the game for Tony. It didn't matter what Spencer told me. It didn't matter what Trish told me. It didn't matter what Wu told me. Whatever Tony thought was best for Tony is what Tony did. So when I did see all those girls uh, teaming up with each other, I was like, okay, it might not be an old girls alliance forming now. It might be, but it might not be. But guess what? If I get rid of one of the guys, there's going to be four girls and two guys left. At that point, there's definitely the, the best move is to form an old girls alliance and vote up the two guys. That would be their best move. So my whole thing was, in order to, in a strategic game, in order to beat your opponent, you gotta think like them. So I'm thinking to myself, if I leave the four girls and there's only two guys left, which is me and Wu, what's gonna happen to me next? So at that point, I was saying to myself, I'd rather keep a much bigger threat, like Spencer in the game, and then turn on my alliance. And that's why I got rid of Jeffra. Had Tasha not won immunity, Tasha would have went home. I wanted to start getting rid of the numbers. And that's, that's why you see me flipping back and forth, back and forth, back and forth. Because I was always keeping my numbers ahead of the game. I didn't want girls' alliance to form. Whether it was forming that night or not, 
didn't matter to me. What was mattering to me was what's going to happen after tonight's tribal council. And after tonight's tribal council, it would have been four girls, two guys. That's not good because that's when something would have formed. And by then, it would have been too late, and I would have kicked myself in the butt, and I said, why didn't I see this happening sooner? Hmm. And that's how come I did the Jeffrey thing. How, how nerve-wracking was it um, that, that Tasha kept winning immunity again after again? Did you kind of think, well, she's, we have to somehow stop her going on this uh, immunity streak? No, no, I didn't, I, didn't, I didn't care at all about those immunity challenges. I didn't really care about them at all. My alliance was terrified of Tasha and Spencer, and I loved it. Because the more terrified they were of those two people, the more I could destroy my team from within <laughs> without them even noticing that I'm the bad guy. So I love keeping Spencer and Tasha around, and that's why I did keep them around as long as I could. Because as long as they were in the game, they were much bigger threats than I was to my alliance. So my alliance would not even consider looking at me. At no point in the game would they consider looking at me as long as Spencer and Tasha were still in the game. So if, if they were my shields, and it was perfect, because they were the minority numbers, and I would go to them, and I would use them for their votes, as you've seen that a few times. And then I would go right back to my alliance with no problem, because at that point, when you have somebody like Spencer and Tasha, and everybody's scared of them, you can always go back to them and get their support to vote them off. So at any point of the game, I would say, all right, guys, I want to vote with you guys to get rid of Spencer tonight. They would have done it, and that's exactly how it worked out. Was there any element to you in, in challenges um, sort of saying that, um, you know, that maybe didn't matter. Did you say not perform as, as strongly as you could have? I mean, had you put your all in, do you feel you could have won an um, immunity challenge? Because I, I asked that because I know in speaking to um, winner of Fiji, Earl, he admitted that he didn't really put much into challenges because he didn't want to come across as a physical threat, so he didn't really care about winning challenges. I mean, did you kind of go into them with that feeling as well? Man, I wanted to win every single challenge, man. <laughs> I, 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 I tried to win every single challenge, and I couldn't. I just couldn't do it, man. The puzzles. I mean, if you've seen a lot of the individual challenges that had obstacles, I would be like the first one to get to the puzzle, and I just couldn't I couldn't seal the deal, man. <laughs> I just, I, I wish I could have. I, believe me, there's no way I could. I could tone myself down. It's either 100 or it's nothing, you know? Yes. I hate I just, puzzles I in challenges in Survivor. That's one thing that I've always hated. They, get, they do these great challenges, and then they ruin it with a bloody puzzle at the end of it. <laughs> oh, that, that's how I felt. So, you know, I beat my own self when I got to the puzzle because as soon as, we, you know, when we get those, the tree mail and it tells us what we have to do, I was saying to myself, please don't let there be a puzzle. Please don't let there be a puzzle. And as soon as we get to the challenge, Jeff shows us there's a puzzle. <laughs> so at that moment, you know, I, it's just, it's, it was disheartening, you know. It's like, it just sucked because I knew I, you know, second chances, you know. It's a second chance for somebody, you know, why, why don't you have a, a pamper changing contest at the end, you know. I, I'll kill anybody because I'm experienced in it. So if you get somebody that's experienced in puzzles, they're going to beat you. It's a, it's a handicap, you know. I don't do puzzles. So, you know, it's, it's, I, to me, I didn't think it was fair to have puzzles all the time. You know, why not? Why, why don't you have something where it's strength-related? I would beat everybody. I went in there like a bull. I would have been beating everybody if it was all strength-related. But it wasn't. And, they, and, and you know, the, the fact that they had a bronze team and they didn't have nothing that was a, a strength challenge, that, that was kind of a bummer, you know? Yeah, yeah. It's, it's a very good point, actually. With it. I'm sure that um, your wife watches that with you and thinks, Honey, let's do puzzles together. I want to beat you. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, no, it's, it's, it's just something, man. I couldn't believe it. It's, you know, and that's why, I, like, I mean, especially with argue, I'd be like, listen, man, this, this, this whole season is favorited for the, for the brains. Because if it wasn't favorited for the brains, they wouldn't be puzzles at every single challenge towards the end. In the beginning, it was a, it was fair challenges. You know, anybody could have won the balancing thing, the memorization of the colors. Uh, the, the sitting on the block, you know, on the, and you could be with the block. Mm -hmm. You know, in the beginning part of it, 
yes, anybody could have won that, and I felt to do a show on that too. So I, stuck. you know what, I just stuck that challenge. That's it. <laughs> <laughs> well, that that does, that's not always a bad thing. Look at Sandra; she's won twice, and she openly admits she sucks at challenges. Tony, so look, you know, that's not always a bad thing. <laughs> yeah, I know. I just I just wish I would have worn a necklace at least once. <laughs> what was it um like living with Cass? Um, you know, I'm sure a lot of people have asked you this question, but I mean, we saw a lot of Cass. We yeah. saw the way she was. I mean, was that how she was? Was she worse out there than what we saw? You know, uh, the thing with Cass is she's she's very uh, I, I don't she has like split personalities, man. You know, there's there's times when you talk to Cass as a person where it's not game related and she's talking about her, her her child and she's talking about her family business and she's talking about what she wants to do her endeavors in life and stuff and and she's a she's a really nice person you know you talk to her nice but then she comes out with these with, with these explanations and and she tries to justify her moves and that didn't make sense uh, she always wanted her she just had a big ego that she liked to get stroked you know and if you if you didn't stroke her ego she would not like you so there was a lot of times where I needed her vote and I would have to like you know, hey Cass, wow, your hair looks nice today. Oh Cass, wow, you look nice in your in your fluffy swimsuit. <laughs> you know, it would be kind of what I had to stroke her ego and cater to her, and um, and that would make her very predictable. You know, Cass, you you can definitely predict Cass. All you had to do was stroke her ego and cater to her needs, and you could do anything you want with Cass. She would do anything with you. you no, know? but if you went against that, then you don't know what she's gonna do. Was there? Any feeling that um, Cass would have gotten any votes at the end had she made the final tribal council, or was it kind of unanimous that had she made it to the end, no one would have voted for her to win? Nobody votes for Cass at the end. It, it was as simple as that, and that's that's the thing where in Cass's mind she really believes she could have won. She really believes that the the, the jurors would have voted for her. She really believes that her move to 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 flip on her life was strategic. You know, like that. That's what that's what made Cass. You know, unlikable because she didn't. She she thought like she really believed that her wrongdoing was was strategic and it was legit, and it wasn't. You know, if you made the move, when she made the move to, to flip on the alliance, right, where Sarah got voted out, if she did that, and then she says, "All right, guys, I'm going back to you guys. I just wanted to get rid of Sarah because Sarah was a bad seat," and she went back with her alliance to start picking us off one by one, that would have been a good move. But for her to just jump ship and abandon them without having any promises from our side or any guarantees from our side, and to run around bragging you're a free agent at that moment, a survivor, you're bragging you're a free agent? There's, there's a problem with that. <laughs> that is no, there's nothing strategic about that. That was an emotional move that you made. You told us that you were going to vote for Sarah regardless of what we voted for because you didn't like Sarah. So, you know, and then you're going to try to, you're going to, try to cover your tracks and say that was a strategic move. You can't do that. Hmm. You know, and that's what we would get into big fights with her. And she would publicly announced that, you know, like, oh, yeah, that was a strategic move. And me and Spencer, you know, and she's on my side at that moment. You know, at that time, she's on my side. And I'm still disagreeing with her. I'm saying, you know, don't tell me that was a strategic move. <laughs> it was a dumb move. <laughs> and she, and then she would sit there and argue, but look how it's working for me. Look, I got a lot further than these people got. No, no, you got a lot further because we're taking you there because you're, you, you, you have no shot of winning. <laughs> the purpose in this game to make moves is to try to win. It's not just to make moves to get as far as you can. You can take anybody off the streets and throw them into that game and let them make dumb moves, and they're going to get all the way to the end also. No strategy has nothing to do with strategy. It just has to do with being unlikable, and people know that they should take you to the end because you can't win. Mm, it's um, that, That's the only reason she got that deep. Pretty much everybody that uh, I know spoke uh, spoke to throughout the season um, agreed with everything just then. So, yeah, it was very interesting. I have to ask, though, with, with Cass and the whole llama talk. Now, this is this is great. Everyone loves you for this, Tony. I mean, is this, is this something that you 
often do in, in life, talk llama? I mean, was this just the normal no. fly thing? <laughs> no, 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 no. See, see Cass, Cass was telling us she was an animal handler, which was very believable. Because, uh, let me tell you, she, she had no social game out there. If she told us she was a lawyer, we'd all laugh at her. We'd be, we'd be like, yeah, okay, whatever, you're a liar. But when she told us she was an animal handler, we all believed it. Because that's what she acted like. So there was points where she was telling us she had some exotic animals. She told us she had apacas, and I, I believe she told us she had llamas, or else I wouldn't come out of the blue with a llama. You know, I don't go around talking in llama when I'm in my police uniform. That's not, you know, that's not what I do. So at that moment, you know, she just got, she got me so upset, and I'm, you know, because she was saying things like, hey, Tony, you think you're the only one I can interrogate people? And, and they were, you know, they didn't show that part. And I'm saying, Karen, do you even know what the word interrogation means? I wasn't interrogating you. I was telling you a secret. I said, but, and that's when it all came out, like, Maybe you don't understand when I talk to you in English, so maybe I, I should talk to you in llama because I. she said at one point in the game that she dealt with llamas because there's no way I would come up with I don't even know what a llama is. You know? so, <laughs> but so, so I guess I got lucky that I sounded like a llama. <laughs> well, it worked, and um, I love the fact yeah. that, uh, that there's pictures out there. There's, I think, even T-shirts now, isn't there, of... of llamas and Tony and everything like that. Yeah. So it's kind of worked in your yeah. favor. <laughs> it, 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 it was fun. And again, you know, and then five minutes later, Cash and I are both walking down the beach looking for fish, laughing, you know. <laughs> so that, that, you know, again, you know, the 10 minutes, the 10, 15 minutes, you, you, you know, the fancy of people fighting on the show, the 71 hours that we're bonding and, you know, we're out there foraging for food. You know, Cash and I would always walk in the morning, you know, go look at the fish traps. We will go crabbing. So, you know, again, we had that relationship where we talked like people, and then we had the relationship where she tried to play the, the strategic game that didn't make any sense to me. And at that point, you know, you, you get into your conflicts. You know, there's a conflict of interest when you're telling one person one thing and the other person totally does, disagrees with you, you know? Hmm. Have, are you going to expect now people kind of on the job to come up to you and, and speak llama to you? Just, uh, you know, officer. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, <laughs> nah, I think I, I think they just think that that was it was a, one of my crazy moments, and <laughs> I don't think they want me to relive that again. <laughs> well, uh, I mean, going into sort of having the special powers idol now, a lot of people argue that with this idol. The smart thing to do was to announce to everyone that you had it in order to basically show off you have the power and can't be voted off no matter what. Now, did this cross your your mind at all? Because, I mean, sort of looking back on Yule in Cook Islands or Terry on Panama, the power they had was because people knew they had it and couldn't vote them out, if you know what I mean. Well, 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 here's how I think about that. When I found that idol, I said, that's the first thing that came to my mind. I said, listen, I'm going to wear this thing around my neck and just walk around parading it all day long at tribe. I, I, I mean, at camp. And then I said to myself, hell no. It's so easy to flush that idol out. It's so easy to flush that idol out. You know, and a lot of people, you know, a lot of fans, don't, I, I don't know how they don't see that. All you have to do is just throw the votes towards me. Right? It, 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 it's so simple to get that idol out. Um, it's, there was a point where when it was like maybe seven people, left, eight people, whatever it is. All you have to do is go, like, for instance, if say Spencer had that, that idol and he paraded it around camp, I know what I would do. I would go up to everybody and say, listen, this is what we're going to do. You throw your vote to Spencer, you throw your vote to Spencer, you throw your vote to Spencer. I'm going to go up to Spencer and say, hey, Spencer, listen, let's get Trish out. Okay? So now, as far as Spencer's concerned, he's voting for Trish. Now, I'm going to go and tell everybody, even his alliance members, I'm going to say, hey, listen, guys, we got to flush this guy's idol out. Let's all vote for Spencer. 
Spencer's voting for Trish. We all want Trish gone home. She's going home because that's the name Spencer's going to put down. Mm. So we all throw our votes to Spencer, and whoever Spencer puts down is going home. So we convinced Spencer to put down the name of the person that we all want to go home anyway. Did you understand what yeah, I mean? Yeah, absolutely. And that that is a very good explanation of it because I kind of had arguments with people. I remember when this was happening, people were saying, oh, look, Tony's stupid. He should be showing this off, showing off the power. But I was kind of... No way. I wasn't necessarily saying what you were saying, but I was sort of thinking more of a TV standpoint. But I didn't necessarily think that it, by showing it off straight away was the, was the smart thing to do. Yeah, no no way. I mean, I, like I said... Uh, you know, I would go through so many scenarios in my head through, throughout the night, and uh, just so many, numerous scenarios. Like right now, what is it, almost a year later, that I can't remember the exact scenarios that I thought of how to flush that idol out, but it was very, very simple to do. Even even within your own, I mean, you've seen Cash was in my alliance, and she was still talking about flushing out my normal idol. You know, when, when people have idols, even if, you're, if they're in your alliance, you still want to flush that out so you can feel more secure towards the end of the game. Mm. So, it was, like, like I said, if Spence had found it or, or whoever had found it, I would have went and I, I would have started campaigning to get rid of that special idol. I would have went to that alliance, to Spence's alliance, and I will say, guys, who do you want gone on my side? And if they would have told me Jeffra, I would have said, okay, that's who we're going to tell Spencer we're voting for. Just let him think that we're voting for Jeffra. Let him put down Jeffra's name, but all of us are going to put Spencer's name down. So that's how you flush that. It's so easy to flush that idol out. It's so easy. Yeah. You could, they could have got rid of that. See, once, you, once, once your enemy knows what kind of weapon you're dealing with, they can plan an attack. If they didn't know that I had it, they couldn't plan an attack. And that's, and that's how I did it towards the end, because at that point, I'd rather him just try to guess to see what the powers are, you know, instead of telling them what they are. Well, it seemed to be a season of um, people actually being able to keep their idols hidden because, I mean, again, from a fan point of view, I've always thought, well, if you get an idol, don't tell anyone, and then that way that's surely got to be more powerful. Uh, I mean, was that always in your head to just never tell anybody no matter what the situation? Oh, yeah, no, no, absolutely. You know, there, there was there was, there was was points where, like, I could have, like, for instance, with Sarah when I was trying to flip her over to our side and I had an idol... Um, I don't know if you remember, Sarah was so adamant that I didn't have an idol. Do you remember what I, she was telling I them? I do, yes. Spoke yes. Tony, he just, yeah. So the, the reason that happened was because when I started talking to her to try to flip her, I seen she wasn't going to flip with us. At that point, I said, you know what? Let me try to steer all the votes at Tribal towards me, and then I'm going to use my idol, and I'm going to get rid of whoever I want to get rid of. So I told Sarah, I said, hey, Sarah, listen. I don't know if you're going to flip with us or not, but I got to go make a fake idol. And then she started talking. She's like, why are you making a fake one? I said, I got to go make one because I'm scared. I don't want to go home. And she told me, she said, hey, Tony, I, you don't have an idol? And I said, no, of course I don't have an idol. Are you kidding me? I got to go make I gotta go make a fake one. And I showed her my blueprints to how to make an idol. I was going to cut the, the, the rice, um, you know, the, the satchel of the rice where the rice was in it. I was mm-hmm. going to cut that. I was going to take the beads from the water bottle, and I was going to take some beads from our torch. And that's how it's going to make my fake idol. That's, I told her in detail how it's going to make the idol. That's why she went to all her team and she told her team, Tony does not have an idol. I can guarantee you that he doesn't have an idol. And that was my plan to make, because I knew she was going to go back and tell him that because I knew she was not with me no more. Wow. So when we went to that tribal council, yeah, so when we went to that tribal council, I was 75, 80% sure that the votes were coming my way based on what I told Sarah, you know. But again, when you go to tribal council, 80% is just not good enough, mm-hmm. you know, so I'm think I'm listening to people talking about threats, and I'm thinking to myself, you know what, I know they think LJ is a bigger threat than I am, so let me just, throw, let me let me do this and take my idol out and just see for a fact who they were voting for, and once I put my idol out, 
and they started screaming, the other one, the other one, the other one, that's when I knew for 100% that they weren't going to vote for me. So now I'm 100% sure they're not voting for me, as opposed to 80% sure. You know what I mean? That's amazing. But once I knew 100%, yeah, once I knew 100% sure that they were not voting for me, now I saved two people with one idol. It was me, and it was LJ. So, you know, as opposed to just going pulling out my idol, and the votes will all go to LJ, then I would have been screwed. So being 80% sure that the votes were coming to me were just not good enough for me at that tribal. I wanted to be 100% sure of what was going on. So that's why I pulled that idol out. And again, it, it, it made it look like Spencer convinced me to pull that idol out, but I had to pull it out because me bluffing it, in my mind, I'm saying to myself, okay, Sarah already told all these people that I have a fake one, so they're still going to probably vote for me. So I hate to show them the idol so I could get a read on them. And once they showed them that idol and they started screaming, the other one, the other one, the other one, I knew 100% sure that the votes were not coming my way anymore. So that's how come I try to protect LJ. And I didn't try to protect LJ to protect LJ. I try to protect LJ to protect me and my alliance, my numbers. Amazing. Absolutely amazing. It's it's always great. That's why we love this show, Tony. We get people coming on to explain it and, uh, you know, more so what, what happens with it. The one thing that I, I sort of briefly heard from uh, the guys over at um, Survivor Talk with D&D that you, you spoke to them about slightly was um, the situation where you're bluffing about the special idol, saying that you can use it post-final five. Um, and, and a lot of people kind of brought up the the point as why didn't Jeff say, oh, you have to use your idol if you've got it before this point. He never mentioned that unless we didn't get to see that. I mean, did did kind of that, was that helped for your point? Did, did Jeff not deliberately mention that so it could help you play this or, or not necessarily help you, but to, to make the strategic point sort of go forward more at that point of the game, if, if that makes oh, sense? Oh, yeah, of, of course. I mean... You know, if Jeff sees you going, he's not going to interfere with the same way with production. They didn't interfere with my game when I was hiding the You know, it would have been wrong for Jeff to say, oh, no, you can't use that idol. That would have been wrong because it's our game. It's our game to play. Don't interfere with our game. You know, like, him not saying anything is better than him saying something, you know? Mm. So, like, Chris would have said, oh, no, no, Tony, you can't, you can't use that idol at four. You know, that would have been wrong. That would have been so wrong because it's my game that I'm playing. I'm not breaking any rules, you know what I mean? They're, they're pretty much, you know, the rules are pretty much, you know, not to hurt nobody and not to do stuff like that. But, you know, they can't tell you when to bluff and when to lie and when not to lie. They can't do that. So it's not like, if he would have said, okay, Tony, yeah, you could use that idol for Final Four, then yeah, he would have been lying for me to help my game. But him not saying anything, not, he would just stay in neutral, and that's what he should have done. Neutral. Mm, it's a good point with that. We saw sort of going talking through this um, interview about like sort of the things we saw that it looked like Spencer had the idea of, but clearly it wasn't. We saw him talk about the final two that he sort of worked it out that it was a final two. Was there other talk at any point throughout the game that it might be a final two instead of a final three? And if so, did that change your strategy much at all? Um, you know what? Towards the end, towards, towards the very end, there was a talk about the final two which at that point, already all, this, all my planning and all my strategies were in place for Final 3, which was with the idol, you know. That's why I said that I could go to Final 3 with the, with the fake idol, I mean, with the special idol. Mm-hmm. Had I known there was a 2, I would have said it's something different, you know. I would have planned it in another way. So, yeah, so there was, there was you know, like anything, you know, there's always speculation of what, what could happen. You know, the same thing with the family visits. You've seen how they do a song with the family visits on the very last, you know, that was like Final Four. You know, we've never seen that before. Yeah. So there was always there was always speculation of what it could have been, but you don't give it that much credit, and you don't change your whole plans around just because you think that that might happen. You know. So 
So at that point, no, I was just, I, I still had in my head it was the final three. Um, and when Spencer approached me with the final two, yes, I definitely thought of it. It made sense. I did think about that. But at that point, I was already so involved in my final three plan that there was nothing I couldn't do at, at that point, you know? Yeah, yeah. Well, at the end, I mean, Wu wins, obviously, that final immunity. Um, he has to decide who to take. Now, now it really has to be said that when you and Cass were sitting there waiting for that vote, you looked arguably the most nervous, I think, of any his- uh, contestants in the, the history of the show. I mean, how was it waiting for that vote to be read? And then when you see Cass's name on it, you're in the final tribal council, just how much of a relief is... I mean, the emotions, again, it must have been amazing. Yeah, oh, man. You know, you, you, you become numb. I think even if I would have thrown my name, like if who voted me off, I think I would have still sat down there for another 30 minutes after that. <laughs> I don't think I was able to move. You know, I was, I was just so... Uh, it, you know, like... I, when we were doing that challenge, before we even got into the challenge, I was already thinking of what to tell Wu, what to tell Cass in the event that I lost, you know. So I already had my speeches already planned out. So, like, I knew ahead of time that I had a very, very strong possibility of convincing either one of them to take me to the end. Like, with Wu, obviously it worked with Wu, you know, because I made a lot of valid points to Wu, and I would have made a lot of valid points to Cass for why they should take me. And with Wu, you know, you only seen two seconds of it, you know, of me telling him about the Taekwondo. But I told him about everything because there was a lot of tribal councils where Spencer would stand up and tell everybody, hey, listen, Wu, you're Tony's coach. Stop following Tony. You guys are all being led by Tony. You need to do something. So I threw that in Wu's face. I said, hey, Wu, listen, every tribal council, everybody, all those jurors up there sitting down there see you as a goat. They see you as following me. And you're, and what, what Wu told them was, what his argument was, I'm loyal to Tony. We started together, and I'm, I'm playing second in command to Tony, and there's nothing wrong with that. You know, that's what he would tell them. So I said, Wu, right now, if you get rid of me, what are you going to tell those jurors? Your whole gameplay this whole time since day one was to be loyal, was to be honorable, and was to play with integrity. So if you get rid of me right now, you pretty much have no story to tell these people. You're going to go there, and the jurors are going to laugh at you. So that's what that was my thing to him, and then I started throwing a taekwondo in there. <laughs> I started throwing how his lifestyle is, and it worked, you know. Yeah. And it was it was it was a feasible argument because who the whole game was telling everybody that he was there playing with honor and integrity and loyalty. So if he didn't make any moves the whole game, right? And then you get rid of me at the end. What are you going to tell the jurors? What are you going to tell the jurors? What are you there for? Yeah. You can't tell them that you played a game with honor, loyalty, and integrity. You, can't, you don't have that no more. So you threw your last piece of information, your, your, your last piece of argument, you threw out the window if you vote me out tonight. Mm. That's what I was telling them. And, I, and then I told them, I said, well, besides, you're seeing all these people, they hate me. I backstabbed all of them. You know, I broke my allegiance to all of them. I said, you know, I just heard Trish. You know, I backstabbed Jeff. You know, I backstabbed LJ. You know, me and Sarah had her out. So everybody up there pretty much doesn't like me. I said, so you have a great chance of winning because if you go with me, that's what I was telling him. And 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 did you did you and, believe that? <laughs> um, you know, I I, 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 I wouldn't. I if I was Wu, I wouldn't have listened to me. You know, but I think being that it was Wu, you know, like it did play it did play over and over in his head about his honor, about his integrity, you know, about his loyalty. It did it did you know it obviously worked you know. But I wouldn't. I wouldn't have believed if I was who I'd be like. You know what? I'm taking my chances with the person I know nobody's voted for, and that's Cash. Yep. Yeah, very true. I mean, how, how then do you approach Final Tribal Council? Because you seemed extremely nervous on, on the night. I mean, did that kind of affect how you approached uh, facing the jury? You, 
you know what it was? If if I was going up against someone like Cass, if we were the final two, you would have seen a much more aggressive argument from me. Uh, you would have saw me stand up and 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 bad talk Cass. I would have been trash talking Cass in front of the jurors, and I would have been very aggressive. But the the you know me going with Wu, I, I couldn't do that. I couldn't stand up. And as you saw me, I was giving Wu props for bringing me to the end. You know, I was saying I want to thank Wu for taking me here and giving me the opportunity. Like it was, I was. I was kind of softened by the fact that Wu chose me, you know, and and I didn't want to fight with him, you know. For him to take me like that to the end, I didn't, I didn't really want to stand up and fight. And, uh, you know, and the jurors, you know, I, I, I told the jurors right from the front. There was a lot that they, they cut out also. I guess, again, editing didn't want to see my argument with the jurors. So people will say, oh, wow, Tony does have a chance. You know, they wanted to make it look like Wu was still going to beat me, you know. Mm. So there was, a lot of, there was a lot of points where, you know, like I straight up told them, I said, you know, hey, guys, listen. You know, I'm here to answer all your questions. I'm here to give you closure. And, you know, they asked me a lot of questions. But in the TV, when we're watching as fans, it didn't look like they asked me any questions. It looked like they just made statements to me, and that's it. Yeah. You know? Yeah. And, and, the, only, and the only, like Sarah, for instance, you know, like, they didn't show me talk back to Sarah. They didn't show me talk back to, uh, uh, who was it? There was a few people that didn't show me talk. You know, like, they asked me questions in, real, in the real game, but they didn't show it when you're watching it as a fan. You know, so they, I guess again, editing wanted to make sure that it looks like you know what Tony Tony might lose this one. Yeah, was there any key ones that you remember that you you were surprised that they didn't show your answers to? Oh uh, no, no. I, I mean, it was it was just all it was. A, I was getting battered. You know, I was getting beat down. <laughs> you know, Trish beat me down. With, with you know, with her look at me in the eyes and swearing you you swore on your family, this and that. You know, like it was it was it was it was brutal, man. <laughs> it was brutal. But you know, at that point, you know, what do you want me to say to you, Trish? You want me to say no? I can't say no. Yeah. Of course it was worth it. I'm, I'm sitting here, you know, almost I'm about to win a million dollars. I can't I'm, of course it was worth it. Everything you know, but again they, they didn't show the part where I explained to my you know, I explained to her, I was like, Listen, Trish, I want you to understand that my heart was in the right place. You 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 have to believe that or else you would have never believed me all the way to the end. You have to believe that at that moment I was being truthful to you, and I was, you know. And that was my, and the same thing with the LJ, the LJ vote off. Like, you seen me lie to LJ about the Wu. Remember how I blindsided LJ? Mm-hmm. I went to him and I said, hey, LJ, I think Wu has the idol. And I wanted LJ to commit to blindsiding Wu. Do you remember that? Yes, I do, yes. Yeah, so that, that again, that was all preparing for the jury. You know, I didn't want the jury to think that I was a backstabber. So my thing was to, my alliance, when I went back to him, I said, listen, LJ was ready to break his promise. He wanted to vote off one of our alliance members. Uh, he flipped, you know, and, and I'm scared of who. I'm scared of LJ, and that's why I voted LJ out. You know, that's why I blindsided LJ, and that's what I explained to LJ also. So my whole thing was jury management. I was trying to show people, like, listen, if you, if I didn't break my promise to any of you, you guys were trying to break the promise to me first. LJ was going to break his promise and vote off who. I got rid of LJ. Jennifer was going to break her promise to me, and she was going to go on the other side. The numbers didn't make sense for her, so she came back to us, so I had to get rid of Jeffra. So there was always, everybody I blindsided was for the alliance's sake, yeah. you know, and for the alliance, the alliance strong. And that's what I want, that's how come I kept saying, every tribal council, uh, loyalty is a big thing for me, honesty is big for me. I kept saying that because I wanted them to truly believe that every blindside I did, every promise I broke was because they were going to do it to me first. 
Hmm. And it worked, obviously. I mean, you walk away with the yeah. <laughs> with the money. But I mean, the, the one a lot of people talked up Spencer's speech and that you know that really helped sway votes. But I mean, the one that really impressed me, though, sort of saying back to the Trish speech, was the fact exactly as you said that you answered flat out honest to her right at the end when it was like, "Is it worth it?" And you were like, "Yes, straight out, straight answer, no, nothing more than that." I mean, did did you feel at that point you were in with a good shot at winning? You know, when when I was um, when I was there at the moment and I heard Spencer talk like that, that's when I was like, oh wow, I think he's really going to open up their eyes. You know, he's telling them, hey guys, listen, get your emotions out of this team. You guys are going to make a very important decision right now, and don't base it on emotions. Base it on as a fan. You know, because we were all fans of the show, man. Everybody that was playing that game was playing hard. We were all fans of the show. So he pretty much told me, guys, it's time for you to get your emotions out of the way and and vote how you think. Who deserves to play? Uh, who deserves? Who played the better game, or who deserves the title of Soul Survivor? So at that moment, you know, there I was like, "Wow, man, he really opens up the eyes." Because you know, I thought that that was great because he said everything I wanted to say. It just didn't come out of my mouth, you know. So I was like, "Wow, Spencer, thank you." But then after after the game's over, and you know, I'm talking to these people, they already had their mind set up before they even got to the jury, you know. So that was all, you know, it was all good. It was all good stuff for TV, I guess. But they already had their mind set up at the Ponderosa, that they were going to vote for me, you know, according to what they told me after the fact, you know? Yeah. What What was that weight? I always love hearing this from, um, you know, winners and runners-up, I suppose. But, I mean, what was that weight like after it wrapped to right then through to May of this year for you getting declared as a winner? And, and did you kind of think in that period that you had won? Did you kind of just want to black it out before that the finale was revealed? How were your thoughts? You know what? I pretty much blocked it out. And uh, and I really didn't even have a choice in blocking it out, but because I had no time to think about, damn, did I win or did I not? Because I was so busy fighting with people on Twitter. I was so busy reading blogs and fighting with people on blogs. I was just so consumed by this whole thing. I wanted to see who was saying what about me, who was saying that this was a bad move, who's who's blinded to the fact that I'm doing these great moves and they they seeing Spencer as winning the game. Like I was like so into like what everybody else was saying on the media. It just consumed my life, and I, I didn't even get a chance to think if I won or not. You know, wow. I was just so busy just fighting with all these people on social media. <laughs> it was, it was, it was, it's sickening. I mean, it really consumed my entire life. I can imagine, and that's. I've always said that if I was to play a game like this or go on reality, I'd be like that. I'm the type of person that's always wondering what people are saying about me. So I, and as it's, oh. it's funny, kind of a lot of people admit, like, oh, I don't really pay attention to that sort of stuff. But I love the fact that you would openly admit that you do it. <laughs> Oh, sick, sickening, sickening! And then I would, I would just make up fake names, and I would just go back into the blogs and fight with people. And <laughs> it was sickening. Believe me when I tell you, sickening. I mean, there was over fifty, sixty different blogs. Every article, I would go there and type up the newest articles. So I would Google my name every two minutes to see what new thing came up about my name. Wow! Sick, sick, wow! Sickening. Did and, and that's. And that's even and that's even knowing how good I did in the game that I got all the way to the end and I was still consumed by it, what people are saying. Wow. Did did you happen to stumble across uh, Survivor Oz at any point and make up a fake name on Survivor Oz at all? <laughs> 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 I can't confirm or deny. <laughs> I have to go through some comments all of a sudden. And go well. This person's quite positive towards Tony, so uh, yeah. maybe that's Tony. <laughs> hey, let, let me tell you, man. I, I was fighting with people. Oh my goodness! I, I'm like, are you guys stupid? What, what, what do you not see there? How, you know, because a lot of a lot of times, you know, again, fans they they think that the paper strategy is how the game should be played. And I keep emphasizing there is nothing textbook about Survivor. It absolutely is not. 
So for people to say, oh, he flipped too soon, he shouldn't flip at nine, you're supposed to flip at seven. No, 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 no. You don't, you're not supposed to flip at any number. You flip when you think the time is right. Mm-hmm. You know, I'm out there in the island. I know what's going on inside and out. You know, the fans don't. So everything I did was calculated. Everything I did was strategic. And it proved to be exactly what I'm saying it's, it is, you know, because at the end, you've seen it all worked out. And it didn't work out by pure luck that the people I was voting out. It just happened to be, you know, it worked for me. It worked for me because I knew who had to go and when they had to go. What was that moment like then when the vote comes across, Jeff Prope says the winner of Survivor, Kagayan, is Tony. I mean, how is that the emotions going through when you're officially the winner of the season? Yeah, you, you know what? At, at that point, it, it didn't really, uh, you know, like, it, it just, it, it's, you know, the, like I, I, I said, you know, I hate to sound like a broken record, but, but I, I said it plenty of times. When the stakes are that high and you, and you hurt people, you know, you hurt people. You, you, you ruin people's chance of winning a million dollars. Those wounds are so deep, man, and, and they scar forever. So at that point, you know, I knew all these people that I was hurting. I was in the green room watching the last episodes where, where we voted Spencer out, where I voted Trish out, where I talked to Wu into convincing Wu into taking me. And you're watching all this, and, and, you know, the people that you're doing this to are right next to you now. We're all watching this together, you know. And it's like, wow, man, you know, what a shitty feeling they must have deep down inside, you know, like, you know, to go out in a, 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 a chance of a lifetime like that and you got played by somebody, you got voted out, you got deceived by somebody, you got backstabbed by somebody, you know, you, you know, you got betrayed by somebody, that shit hurts, man. You know, I, I don't, I don't care how strong of a person you are, that really, really, really hurts deep down inside. So then, you know, at that moment, I just, I, I'm just like, you know, I felt sad. I couldn't even celebrate, you know what I mean? I was just sad at that. We all went out there to try to better our families, you know, all of us. So when you when you fall short and you come back home empty-handed, it, it's a, it's a it's a ill feeling, you know. And I can't even imagine what these people felt like. So there's no way, you know. You tell me I'm the sole survivor. I can't even I can't even celebrate at that moment. You know what I mean? Yeah. It just it just it just it's just not it, it hurts, man. It, it, you know, you lose you lose a game of poker, you lose a thousand dollars, two thousand dollars, and it hurts you where you can't even sleep at night. Imagine when you go on to a game like that, you know, 39 days, you're all out there trying to better your families, and you're out, you sacrifice so much, and you fall short, you know, and, and, and it, you fall short because you trusted somebody, and that somebody betrayed you, and that somebody wins. You know, I couldn't, I just couldn't, I couldn't find myself to celebrate or even be excited, you know? That is a so I was very humbled by the whole experience. I was going to say, that is, a, that is a good way of looking at it. Yeah, no, no, it, it is, because I know, I know how it, I, I, I know those, that, those wounds will scar forever. You'll never that that such a, that that game it, it touches your life so. It's such a huge game, man. The stakes are so high, and you know it, it's it, you, you'll never forget it. You'll never forget it. And that pain, you'll always feel that pain of getting your torch off. I don't know what it's like. I never want to know what it's like. And if I do get to play again, I'm going to play 100% again. I'm going to give it my all to make sure that my torch never gets snuffed because <laughs> I can't even imagine. How painful that is. Yeah, definitely. It's, it's always an interesting question to put that to winners um, after they've won and then they come back and if they get voted out. I mean, but I've been looking back on it now, it's been a month. What's more important to you, the fact that you won a million dollars or the fact that you are the sole survivor of Survivor Kagayan? Uh, you know what? The million dollars, man. <laughs> <laughs> you know, it, 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 it's all about the money, man. You know, that, that, that's what makes the world go round money. You know, you better your family. And that's what I'm saying. That's why I know how devastating it is to lose that game, you know, and, and to lose it. So again, you lose it because you, you trusted somebody enough to put your guards down. You know what I mean? Yeah. And that's what sucks. 
that's what sucks. Absolutely. And that's why this, yeah, and that's why you'll never hear me say, oh, I played this guy, or I played this one, or I'll play the Jew, and I'll win the Jew. I won't, those words won't come out of my mouth, man. I played a good game. So luck was on my side, and I and I and I happened to win the game, you know. And that's 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 what I'm sticking to. What was the first thing that you bought with the money? Um, the first thing I bought, mm. <laughs> I paid bills. <laughs> I had like a, a bunch of, yeah, you, you know, it's the best, it's, it's the most it's the most satisfying feeling when you get all that weight off your shoulders of those bills that just keep piling up, and you always say, "I'll get to it when I get to it." Mm-hmm. And I just paid a lot of bills off. Um, I, I had to write a big, fat, hefty check to my uncle Sam. Yes, you know, yes. which, which that, that sucks, man. That's like almost half of your winnings. Well, I'm you glad know? you did. I, I know that certain other winners didn't, and that ended them up in trouble. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, you know. And, and you know, and when, once that's over and done with, you know, and, and, you know, where I live, I live in upper northern Jersey, North Jersey, mm-hmm. and, and, and now here, you know, the, the, the cheapest houses out here are like $500,000, and those are houses that are either knocked down or you got to totally rehab them. You know, so it's very expensive to live out here. So, you know, like the money doesn't really go that far out here. But again, I'm so grateful that I won it. <laughs> it definitely makes things a lot more comfortable. I don't have to work off duties anymore. <laughs> well, it works. But I still have to go, yeah, I still have to go to work, that's for sure. <laughs> well, I want to get to some listener questions in a second, Tony, and then get to our final set of questions. But just a few ones we always like to sort of touch on before we get to the listener questions. I mean, it's been only a month, as we keep saying, since it's all wrapped. But, I mean, who, who are the people that you, you keep in touch with the most? Who are kind of like the friends that you've made out of that you see yourself talking to basically for maybe the rest of your life? Um. For the most part, Spencer and Trish, I talk to them uh, more often than the rest. But uh, the rest of them, again, with social media, it's so easy just to text, type up one or two sentences and send it their way, you know, and just to keep in touch like that. So I pretty much keep in touch with mostly all the post-merch people. As a matter of fact, today I was texting with Cass, you know. We were just talking about T-shirts for our little daughter and stuff. So I keep in touch with all of them. I I mean, even Sarah, she's pregnant, so... So we're talking about the baby, you know, I'm telling her what to expect when she has a baby because I'm going through it right now. So, you know, we all, we, everybody post-merge, LJ, Jeremiah, we all talk, all of us. Fantastic. And on a sort of um, notice on social media, um, you know, your, your communication, you're tweeting with some of the other former contestants as well. I noticed the other day you were having a bit of a Twitter conversation with Jenna Maraska. I mean, what's sort of the reaction been like um, from other contestants from previous seasons? Have you been contacted by some other players sort of congratulating you and talking to you about your game? Oh, yeah, yeah. No, a lot of, I mean, you know, once you're on Survivor, you become part of the family, the Survivor family. So a lot of people, you know, they, 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 they send me our private messages, you know, a lot of them private message me and say, congratulations, Tony, you played a, a hard game, you know, and, and they give me my props and, you know, it was, I appreciate it very much, you know, it's, it's very nice to hear from uh, past contestants, you know, because I'm a fan of theirs as well, you know, when I watch them on the season, I'm like, wow, these guys played good and then for them to reach out to me and give me my props, I'm like, wow, I'm, I'm honored, you know, it's, it's nice to hear. It's all, it's all, it's like a survivor family, man, and it's nice. Nice to have, you know, their support. And obviously, um, sort of mentioning Russell a couple of times in the interview, you two have had um, your fair share of conversations on Twitter between yourself and Russell. Uh, you know, is Russell somebody you'd actually like to kind of sit down in person with or even play Survivor with? Yeah, no, you know, it's all fun and games, you know what I mean? It's no, and nothing nothing that's said is, is personal. It's just, it's, it's all fun and games, you know. he's He just wants to, you know, he, I mean, you know, like you've seen him play in Samoa, how he, I, I think he got robbed. I think he should have won that, that season, you know. 
So you you could you could imagine the, the pain that he's going through. So when you see someone like me that played similar to him in an aggressive you know an aggressive manner, and we, you know the, the difference was with me, I, I didn't do anything. You know, I didn't rub nothing in nobody's face. I didn't rub no salt in nobody's wounds. You know, the difference that was the difference between mine and Russell's game. You know, like Russell would rub salt in their wounds, like. When he voted them out, he's like, okay, I, I witted you, I played you, you're a sucker, you're dumb, you didn't know what you were doing, I did, that's why I beat you. You know, when you do that to people, man, you, you, you just can't, you, your, your emotions, you can't just help, you can't put your emotions to the side and say, you know what, he's right. You can't do that. Yeah. You're so hurt that you're like, you know what, I'm going to get the last laugh on you, buddy. And they got the last laugh on him. And I didn't want that to happen to me. Well, it's very true. And I, and the fact that a pre-game, uh, when asked the question, Survivor contestant you were most like, you said, Russell Hance, because I can be just as devious, and Boston Rob, because I can just be I can be just as slick. So, I mean, there's a good combination yeah. and a good good explanation. It worked for you. Yeah, no, and, you know, when I watched the season and I watched Russell play, I was like, you know, I, I could play just like that, you know. It, you know, I'll lie when I have to. You know, I'll, 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 I won't sleep. I won't stop. I won't stop. I won't put my cards down. Just like he did. And then, you know, like Boston Rob, I see how slick he was with people. How you know, like I was like that in camp. You know, I was very slick. I was building my spy shacks. I was, uh, you know, I was making lies. You know, seem truthful. You know, I was, I, I lied the whole time, pretty much when I was out there. You know, but I made it look. I made it seem truthful because. And and then you know when I came clean with a lot of stuff. You know, a lot of fans would say, oh, my God, he's so stupid. He's telling this person he's construction. He's telling this person he's a cop. Then he's coming clean. Then he's framing Jeremiah and coming clean with it. You know, like, again, when, when there was a point in the game when I knew that the lie might come back to bite me, I'm going to come clean first. I don't want, I didn't want my alliance to get the truth from the opposing alliance. I wanted to come clean with my alliance first because I knew the truth was, I mean, the lies was going to get exposed. So at that point, I was like, you know what, let me be the one to come clean. So I could show my loyalty, so I could show my alliance that, listen, I'm being truthful with you guys now, you know, before I lie to everybody else, but with you guys, I want to be truthful, and I want to turn over a new leaf, and I want to move forward with you guys, you know, and, and it worked, you know, like, everything that I did, you know, the totality of my whole game, it, it worked in a nutshell. Mm-hmm. Exactly, and you, you sort of touched on it briefly a second ago, but, I mean, the obvious question, if you got asked back to play again, Tony, you would play for a second time? Oh, yeah, no, absolutely. I'll play a second, third, fourth time. You know, you keep asking me to play, I'm going to keep playing. <laughs> and hopefully keep winning. <laughs> hopefully keep winning. Uh, and yeah. also, too, before yeah, yeah. we get to the listener questions, I read that you contracted a bit of a parasite when you got back. I mean, how, how was that sort of recovering? Everything okay now? Yeah, no, no, everything is okay now. But, uh, yeah, towards the end, you know, it, it, it was raining. Again, the whole season was just raining all the time. And towards the end, there was a point to where everything was wet. All the, the sticks were wet. I couldn't make a fire, and I was dying of thirst. So I went to the well, and I was just drinking that, that, that contaminated-looking water. You know, there was dead animals in the water, you know, and you could see, like, like bugs and stuff in the water. And I was just drinking it because I, I had to drink, man. I was to the point where, you know, you, you almost, you know, once you dehydrate, your body starts to clamp up. You start getting migraines. So I just had to drink the water. So I was drinking that water, and then sure enough, you know, when I got back to the States, I, I got sick. And, you know, I got tested, and I had a parasite in my stomach. I got the medication. And I, I was cleared up pretty fast. It was like maybe a month or two I got cleared up, and I was back to normal after that. Beautiful. But, uh, but yeah, I lost, 40, I lost 45 pounds in that island. Wow. That's a lot. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, it's a lot. But so thankfully, you know, I don't know if you saw me, you know, on day one, and then if you saw me on day 39, but, you know, when I went, before I went into the show, that was part of my plan was to put on a lot of weight, as much fat as I could, you know. Mm. I was eating five avocados a day. I was eating a, a jar of peanut butter every other day. <laughs> I was trying to put on the good fat, you know, I was trying to put on a lot of fat because my natural body, my, I'm, I'm usually thin, you know, I'm slim and slim, and slim, you know, 
So when you guys saw me on the TV, I looked like a big bull. You know, that was from working out, but there was so much fat over the muscle where it made me look that much bigger, you know? Yeah. So once that fat, you know, melted off, you know, that was my fuel for the show. If I didn't have that fat, I don't think I would have lasted as long as I did. I would have fell apart like Garrett. You've seen Garrett? Yep, yep, indeed. Yeah, he had a beautiful, yeah, he had a beautiful body, but he had no fuel. Yeah, that's good to look at, but it's not going to help you out there in the game of Survivor, perhaps. It's um, I, I remember yeah, no, absolutely. I remember when the cast was announced and we, and we sort of saw you. Everyone's like, "Wow, this is like a, a cross between Vin Diesel or Bruce Willis." You know, super super muscle Bruce Willis, <laughs> Vin Diesel. I mean, you know, I mean, do, do you get those comparisons? Do people say that you look like them a lot. Yeah, when I when I was younger, I was like really into bodybuilding. I was really like really nice and muscular. You know, I had nice. You know, I was I was youthful. You know, so I. I got a lot of Vin Diesel. I got a lot of Vin Diesel when Vin Diesel just started coming, you know, started being famous. So I used to get that a lot. Now that I'm older, I'm wrinkly and stuff. Now I get the Bruce Willis. <laughs> Comes full circle. And uh, we've obviously touched yeah. on a little bit about what's been happening since your time on the show. Uh, obviously, you've just welcomed your son, Constantine, into the world a couple of weeks ago. Uh, everything kind of now just back to back to working as a, as a police officer, Tony, just going back into normal life now? Oh, yeah, yeah. No, it's, it's been like that for quite some time. I, I, you know, a year now since the show stopped, uh, you know, since we stopped filming the show, you know, I, I've been right back to work, back to the family life, back to changing pampers, you know, back to, you know, cleaning the house, doing the laundry, you know, back to basics, you know, nothing, nothing really, nothing changed, you know, since I left for the show. Fantastic. Well, uh, going to get to these listener questions. Thanks to everyone who sent these in. Now, a lot of these have been answered, as usually is the case uh, throughout the interview, but we'll touch through some of these quickly. Uh, one of our Oslets. Alan Flockhart says, first of all, congratulations on winning. And then he says, how did you feel when you found out that at least one other contestant used your spy shack as their toilet? <laughs> oh, <laughs> oh, man, I, I was kind of upset. <laughs> you know, how would you feel? Somebody comes into your house and pees all over the floor. <laughs> yes, that's um, so, yeah, put you I, off. <laughs> yeah, Trish. But you know what? You know what? You know, Trish could make fun of me all she wants. But let me tell you guys a story about Tr- Trish and the chicken. In the, in the beginning, the very first day, I was looking for an idol inside a tree. There was a big hole in the tree on the roots. And I was looking for an idol. And Trish comes from behind me. And then when I seen Trish, she's like, oh, what are you doing there? And I said, oh, my God, Trish, hurry up, a chicken. It just ran around the tree. <laughs> so then Trish starts running behind the tree looking for the chicken. And while I have my left hand inside the tree hole looking for the idol, with my right hand, I'm grabbing rocks, and I'm tossing the rocks over my head into the bushes. <laughs> and she starts screaming, Tony, I hear the chicken running. And I'm like, go chase it, go chase it. <laughs> so, you know, she, she wants to... She wants to throw dirt out there that she peed in my backside, but I had her running around the island looking for a chicken <laughs> while I'm looking for an idol. That's fantastic. So take, <laughs> so take that, Trish. <laughs> <laughs> We're about to speak to Trish in a few days. I'm looking forward to speaking to Trish, actually. Uh, thanks, Alan. Oh, 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 <laughs> yeah, and, and here's another one, too. I, you know, we, we had a, a, a rice satchel, you know, the, the rice basket mm-hmm. where our rice satchel was inside the basket. That basket had a wooden, a wooden something carved, a wooden, it was... It was uh, like a medallion that was carved. It was a wooden. It was carved out of wood, and it was a medallion. And I thought that was an idol, so I ripped it off the basket. And I'm looking at it. I'm like, oh, this ain't no idol. 
So what I did was I went up to Trish and I said, hey, listen, Trish, you're on the bottom here. I want to help you. Here's an idol. <laughs> and I gave her that fake thing. And she put it in her bag and she was the happiest person in the world. <laughs> she was giving me all kinds of information. She's like, Tony, I'm going to give you everything I know. I've seen Lindsay and Sarah looking for idols. I'm going to tell you everything I know. <laughs> and then she was telling me everything because of that idol. Wow. And then later on, of course, and, and then again, like I said, when I knew that the lie was going to get exposed, I wanted to come clean with it so I don't look like a liar. So I went up to her like a few days later after I got all the information, after we bonded. I was like, hey, Trish, listen, I've been thinking a lot about that idol, and I don't think it's real, man. I'm sorry, Trish. I don't think I, I don't think it's real. And she's like, no, I think it is. And I'm like, Trish, I don't think it's real because it doesn't have any instructions with it. It doesn't have anything called into it where it tells you, you know, that, that it's an idol. I said, you know what? I don't think it's real. I think it's fake. <laughs> and then she was like, oh, I don't know about that. So at that point, I came clean, you know, I came clean, and now she can't look at me like I'm a liar if, if she goes and presents that to Jeff and Jeff says, no, that's not a real idol, you know? Very clever, very so, yeah. clever. Did not know yeah. that. There we so, go. You know, <laughs> I, yeah, I, I used that to get some information from Trish, you know, but at that point, Trish was on the bottom, so she didn't have much information to offer, but it just solidified my alliance with her. Mm. You know, it's like, wow, this guy really cares for me. He gave me an idol to protect me, you know? Wow. So, again, those little things... That, that on day one is what makes somebody care about me on day 37 like Trish did you know yeah very much so that's amazing uh, that's uh, very incredible learning a lot here today now uh, Antonius Noel Gary Falau uh, now he says I assume your surname uh, from your surname that you are Greek uh, first of all is that, is that correct yes yes, yes. so yes, um, yes Greek now Antonius says for me to say the following phrase to you now I apologise my pronunciation is going to be terrible uh, it says bravo mas ekanis tu elinis perthanis that's my terrible pronunciation. <laughs> I don't know. Yeah, that, that, sound, that sounds Greek to me. <laughs> do, do you speak Greek? I should have really asked you that first, shouldn't yeah. I? <laughs> yeah, yeah, of course I speak Greek, but I have no idea what you just said. I, I'm going to have to send it through to you in a message or something because I can't pronounce anything to, to save my life. Uh, thanks, Antonis, uh, for that one. Andrew Shadlock asks, uh, do you ha- still have the special immunity idol? I sure do. Hmm. And he asked, where, where do you put it? Do you have uh, it up on display? or uh, no, no, actually, I, I have it. You know, when I first came back, I put it next to my daughter's crib, and I was telling her it's going to be for her. But, you know, now I, I, talked, I reached out to Jeff Probes, you know, and he's out in Nicaragua. But when he comes back, I'm going to try to set something up where he can sign it for me. And hopefully Tyler Perry will come and sign it for me too. I want to, I want to get it autographed, you know. And that's when I'll display it. That'll be nice to have. That is clever. That is clever. Now, Andrew, because one of our outlets uh, also asks, would you have voted for Wu or Cass if Wu had have uh, taken her to the final tribal instead of you? Everybody would have voted against Cass. Mm-hmm. I, I said it before. Nobody votes for Cass. Cass does not get one vote from that jury. Mm-hmm. And if I was in the jury, she still wouldn't get my vote either. Simple. Thanks, Andrew. Johnny Acosta, Tony, why did you vote Morgan off instead? of someone stronger when there were 10 people left. Okay, so, so with the Morgan vote off, there was, there was, I think, three or four different reasons. My main, my main reason was she was part of, there was LJ left, there was Jeremiah left, there was Jeffra left, and Morgan would have been the fourth beauty as far as I was concerned. Again, at that point, they weren't working together. But I looked into the future and I said, you know what, if I vote somebody else off, it's going to be three bronze and it's going to be four beauties. I didn't want the four beauties working together because at that moment, just like the Girls Alliance, it didn't make sense for them. But after they become four beauties, three bronze, and two brains left, that's when it makes sense for them to make a move like that. So at that point, I was saying to myself, you know what? We don't have to get rid of Tasha right now. Let's get rid of Morgan right now. 
and that was the reason behind it. But I couldn't tell any everybody else that I wanted to get rid of Morgan because of that. So what I did was I went along with what everybody else was saying, that Morgan was lazy, she needed to go, she didn't do contribute. I seen Cass fighting with Morgan, so it was perfect because at that time Cass it was fresh. Cass's flip was fresh at that point. So I was saying to myself, I don't wanna I don't wanna uh try to do something crazy and vote for somebody like Tashau and then Cash have second thoughts when we're at tribal and then vote me out. So I said, let me just go with the safe bet. We knew Morgan didn't have an idol or nobody was going to play an idol for Morgan. I knew that Morgan was a fourth beauty, so that's why I wanted her out. And I also knew that Cash and Morgan were fighting, so I knew Cash wouldn't have second thoughts and not vote Morgan out. You know, I knew she wanted Morgan out because she was fighting with her, so that was my short bet. And when we went to that tribal council, I don't know if you remember, but I remember it clearly, that was the one point in tribal council. I had no immunity. I had no protection. All Cash had to do was go back with her people, and they would have voted me out. I would have been gone. Mm. That's the day that I seen four votes come my way. Remember that? Yeah. That was the day where it opened up my eyes. You know, that opened up my eyes, and I said to myself, you know what? I need to start making moves now. Because once you see your name at tribal council come up that many times, what that's sending is sending a message to the other side saying, hey, guys, listen, we're advertising that we want Tony out. So whenever one of you guys are ready to flip over to our side for our vote, we can get Tony out. When I see that, I say, you know what? I'm going to start using the minority alliance before my alliance starts doing it, using it against me. And that's when I use them against LJ. That was the very next vote when I said, you know what? I need to start using these people to help me vote off my alliance because they already advertised to everybody they want me out. Wow. So that was a very that was a big eye opener for me at that tribal council because I could have went home and I should have I I should have went home but Cass Cass luckily stayed with us and she voted off Morgan and that was you know that was one of the reasons why I wanted Morgan gone because Cass was fighting with her and I knew Morgan was a fourth beauty and I didn't want LJ because at that point you know I was looking at LJ as my threat and you know I was I was thinking you know I was putting my feet in his shoes and I was saying you know what if I'm LJ I'm gonna use the fourth beauty I'm gonna use the fourth beauty. Even though they weren't getting along, I know people are going to say, yeah, but they didn't look like they were working together, and they weren't working together on that specific day. But the next day, anything can happen. Very much so. That's um, pretty changed the game completely. If you've gone home, of course, that night. That's, wow. That's, that, that's it. Would have been amazing that's to it. think that's about that. That's it. And that's, and, and that's what I tell people. I didn't care what was happening at that moment. I cared what was going to happen the next day. Mm. The same thing with the Girls' Alliance. I don't care if it was the Girls' Alliance at that moment. The potential of it being there was enough to scare me to make a move. Mm, very much so. Johnny, thanks for that question. Doug Marshall, why do you think lots of the Survivor fans can't tell the difference between reality television and real life in relation to your lying? Um, what The fans? Why the fans can't tell the difference? So I, 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 think, I think it's kind of just asking the question, you know, why do you think some people can't? differentiate between lying on a reality TV show to, to lying in oh, real life? Oh, oh. Like, I, I, mean, I, I don't know what, you know, when people say that, I mean, you know, you, 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 there's so many different analogies you could give people. You could tell people when you play poker, you know, you're not going to tell your opponent that you have the winning hand. You're going to try to bluff them into playing. So that's a lie. That's the deception, right? Because that's what the game's about. When you're telling your kids that there's a Santa Claus and there's a Tooth Fairy and there's an Easter Bunny, you're, you're lying to those kids. You know what I mean? You're lying. So, you know, why why aren't you looking at that as being bad? You know, you're a liar, you're a bad parent for lying to your kids. No, that's not just, that's 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 how the story goes. Mm. That's the nature of the beast. That's the nature of the animal. A game like Survivor, there's nothing vanilla about that game. You know, you the whole thing is, if there's one, there's only one person that can stay alive, 
There's no way all you guys can play a vanilla game and say, oh, yeah, we're all going to be truthful to each other and make it to the end because that's not going to happen. That's a game where you have to lie. It's a game where you have to deceive, and it's a game where you have to betray. So that's how you have to play that game. If it was a game where you have to be the most honorable and play the most loyal game, that's exactly how it would be played. Mm. So, you know, when people start to say, oh, you know, how could you, how could you lie, you know, the, the way you lie on the show is the way you're going to lie in life, that's, that's baloney. Because, you know, you, you adapt to the situation you're presented. You go into a game, you, you go to a game like Jeopardy or Wheel of Fortune, you're not going to go there lying. You're going to go there trying to foul. You know, that's like saying you take a soccer player and put him on a basketball court. Mm. He's not going to be kicking the basketball. He's going to be dribbling the basketball. The same way you take a basketball player and put him on a soccer field. He's not going to be dribbling the soccer. He's going to be kicking the soccer ball. Yeah. So, again, you got to play the game the way the game is intended to be played. Very true, very true. And um, apologies for people out there who just had the illusion of the Easter Bunny and Santa Claus destroyed. Uh, <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. You shouldn't, shouldn't tell your kids there's a Santa Claus because it's a lie. You ruined it for me, Tony. Time, next, yeah, I know. And next time you play poker, make sure you don't lie to your opponent. Make sure you tell them that you have the winning hand yes. instead of trying to bluff them out of money. Yes, it'll work. Uh, Anthony Bevitz yeah. says, uh, finding the immunity idol very early on made you happy. Happy, and you had a bit of an intimate moment with kissing it. Was the idol a good kisser? <laughs> <laughs> Actually, you didn't kiss me back, but oh. uh, it's like when you're young and you, and you practice in the mirror. That's what it felt like. <laughs> Thanks, Anthony. <laughs> uh, one of our other authors, Kate McLaughlin, this is a good question. Um, we heard Spencer talk about um, the SpencerBledsoe.com incident on Rob Has a Podcast. <laughs> uh, can you explain this story from your side of, of the story? <laughs> Yeah, I, I can't, Spencer. See, me and Spencer, we were like arch rivals. Rival. We had like, a, you know, we were arch enemies right from the beginning. We were rivals. And uh, what happened was, like, I kept telling him, I said, listen, Spencer, man, you're 21 years old. If you were 40 years old, I have no doubt in my mind you would have ran the show. You would have done this. You would have done that. You know, your knowledge, your, your knowledge plus your, 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 you know, your intellect plus your experience, forget it. You would be unstoppable. So I kept telling him, listen, experience always prevails, you know. So what, what happened was, you know, we got back home and um, I, I decided to get uh, TonyBlackRules.com and I said to Spencer, I said, hey, Spencer, I think you should get a, a SpencerBlesso.com because I, I'm starting on my own website, you know, and I just think it's nice to have your own name as a website. And he's like, no, nah, I don't think anybody wants that, you know, there's no reason for me to have it. I said, listen, it's only $13 for the year. It's worth it, just in case you want to come up with something. So he goes and he tries to, to, to see if it's available. And um, it's not available because I bought it, you know. So I kind of, I kind of let him into trying to go buy it. So what I did was I, I bought it for thirteen dollars, and then I told him, I said, Spencer, I think you should go buy it. So when he goes and he sees it's not available, now it's just a natural instinct for him to want it, you know. Now he wants it. So now I told him, I say, hey, Spencer, I think you should reach out to that person that owns it, you know. So what happened was, you know, from that website, the GoDaddy.com, they, they are, they're like the media, they, they, you know, they're the middleman. So you, you could uh, do negotiations through them. So what happened was he told GoDaddy.com he's interested in buying Spencer Bledsoe. So, so GoDaddy.com sends me a letter and says, listen, Spencer Bledsoe is interested in buying the website SpencerBledsoe.com. How much are you willing to sell it? So I said 1500 <laughs> So then Spencer calls me back up and he says, hey, Tony, there's some lunatic bought my website and he, and he wants $1,500 for my web name. And I'm like, 1500 I said, I don't know, man, Spencer, I think you should give him a thousand. <laughs> so then he's like, No way. So then he goes to five hundred. 
And then, and then you know, he doesn't know it's me negotiating on the other side. <laughs> so then I write back and I say, no, 500 is too little. I want 750. <laughs> so then he writes back and he says, 150 final offer. And I say, you know what? Let me just get him for 150 just to show him that I conned him. <laughs> so I accepted the 150. And then I showed him I showed him all the proof of all the emails that GoDaddy was sending me on his behalf. <laughs> and he went crazy. And I said, and I said, you see that, you young lad? I said, experience, man. I said, experience will always get you. <laughs> that is brilliant. That is brilliant. Did, did you give me? Money yeah. back, or did you keep it? Laugh. Yeah, yeah. No, I have to give him his money back. I felt bad for the kid. <laughs> that is fantastic. <laughs> Thanks, Kate. Oh, actually, Kate actually also adds um, to uh, the amazing artwork on your website. Uh, the, the drawing of yourself, and also like all the llama drawings. Who does all your artwork? Um, I, I, some guy from uh, um, Texas, I believe it is. Yeah. When when I first when I, you know when I first got back home, I was like, oh, it'll be fun to do some kind of campaign adding. You know. I thought that it would build my fan base, and I only have 16,000 followers, uh, 16, followers on Twitter. Spencer has double that, and he didn't even have to do anything. <laughs> so I'm like, you know what? I wasted my time. I wasted my money. I forget this stupid stuff. <laughs> but uh, yeah, he, he, yeah, he was, he's a great artist. The guy, he was a, he's a great artist that I, that I, um, I found him online, and he, and he drew he drew nice pictures of me, and he made me look muscular, and he made me look young. I loved it. They're fantastic. I'm looking at them now. And T-shirts, I believe, we mentioned them before. So where can people go and buy a, a llama T-shirt from, Tony? Oh, yeah. You know what? I, 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 I posted it online. It was called WeLoveTV.com, but I, I shut the site down because in two, three days, I sold over two, three hundred T-shirts. And, and, you know, I didn't, want to, I didn't want to do it as a business. I wanted to do it for, you know, like the fans, like a fan here and there, maybe five, five a week, ten a week. But anyway, I wasn't expecting two, three hundred dollars over two days, so I shut the site down because I, that's it's overwhelming. I don't want nothing to do with it, <laughs> you know. So I shut it down right away. Wow, wow. So, th- so if someone's got a T-shirt, then it's it's a, it's a rare commodity, basically. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> So, so right now it's a collector's item. It might be worth something someday. <laughs> well, there you go. Hold on to those T-shirts if you've got one. Uh, now, a few more here. We'll wrap it up with our final set of questions. Um, let's see. Uh, Aiden Mazden. Now, I, I was waiting for somebody to send this in, Tony. Um, throughout the season, I um, I would break out into a terrible Tony impersonation. Uh, <laughs> I don't know if I don't know <laughs> if you want to hear my Tony impersonation or, or whether we will skip over that question or. <laughs> Uh, yeah, let's let's hear it. All right, this is this is embarrassing. Uh, oh, I'm Tony, police officer. I'm going to win Survivor. See, it sounds terrible. See, just coming out of my mouth, I just wanted to stop myself. <laughs> hey, 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 you know what? Never, never do that again, man. <laughs> <laughs> the, the, the fact that yeah. I had the person himself tell me that, uh, I think I'll officially retire. Oh, He's a terrible Tony impersonation. <laughs> oh, jeez, that was that was horrible. <laughs> Uh, thank you very much, Adam, for uh, embarrassing me. Uh, let's see here. Aiden Abelida says, um, did you give yourself and Sarah nicknames when you formed Cops Are Us? No, no, no. no. That, was, that, was, that was just a, it, uh, you know, like Philip Shepard, he, he, you know, the stealth of Rust thing like that. You know, he, he's the one that went crazy with all the names and stuff. I just said Cops Are Us. That was it. Sarah and Tony. You know, I didn't, I, I didn't think any much into that, you know? Simple, simple. Uh, now, a lot of these ones have been answered. Okay. Jacob, yours has been answered. Colin, our Oslet, yours has been answered. Um, let's see here. That's been answered. Uh, Adam Kolodny's sent in another one. Did we not just answer one? He says, Tony, to any of the hate you're getting, to hell with it. You are a great role model in game and life for aggressive people who don't want to change their colours for anybody or shy away from being exactly who they are. Badass game. Hope you're unapologetically proud. 
Awesome. That's a positive one there. And let's see here. Oh, here's a good question. The final one I'll get to before our final set. Corinton Tuell says, Hi, dude. I would like to know if your strategy would have been the same if there were returning players in the cast. Um, same thing. My, my strategy was all situational. So I, I took it, you know, I, I just took every situation and handled it accordingly. So, you know, it, it, it wouldn't matter who, who was playing. It, it would matter how they're playing. Mm, true. And actually, just sort of going back here to one, Christine's question, it was the first part's been answered, but I know we've sort of got a lot of comparisons to Russell and your gameplay. And I mentioned before that you said pre-game you want to use some of Boston Rob's strategy. Would, would you say she wants to know, would you think any of your game is comparable to Boston Rob's as well? Um, yeah, like I said, you know, for, forming the bonds that I did with people, uh, being slick enough to, to tell lies where they were believable. You know, I, I, I think I, Boston Rob was doing stuff like that, you know. So, you know, he was charming. You know, I was, uh, you know, again, it's not even me trying to do that stuff. That's uh, just who I am, you know. Like, I, I'm a genuine person, and so so is Boston Rob. He's a nice guy, you know. So, you know, like, when I thought the in-your-face type of guy where... We're just like, uh, you know, like, like Russell, for example, you know, he's aggressive with people and, you know, he, he, he says what he feels and he doesn't care if he hurts your feelings as opposed to me and Boston Rob. I don't think, I don't think uh, Boston Rob ever hurt anybody's feelings or deliberately, intentionally try to hurt their feelings and laugh at them. Mm. And that's how I am as a person, you know? So it's not even a gameplay. It's just who we are as people. Very true. And in a couple of seasons, or maybe even the next season, I'm guaranteeing we're going to get people comparing other players' games to your game. So it's only going to come full circle, <laughs> Tony. Uh, I, I don't know I don't know about that. You think people are saying Tony Black <laughs> I reckon. I reckon. You can watch, you read their pre-game. I reckon there'll be a few. <laughs> I'm going to look for that. I wonder. Uh, thanks to everyone who sent you a list of questions. Really appreciate it, Tony. We'll wrap up every single interview with a set of questions. Just your opinion based on uh, Survivor-related topics. First one for you. What are three things that you learnt about Jeff Probst during your time on Survivor? The three things that I learned about Jeff Probst? Yes. While I'm a survivor, uh, I, I don't think I learned anything new. Or just everything that I thought about him when I watched him on TV. He's awesome, he's good-looking, and he's funny. <laughs> and uh, we learned he swears a lot. Does it, did you find out he swore a lot when you were out there as well? No, no, he, he, curved, he curved his tongue while we were out there. He knew we were all good people. He didn't want to offend us with foul language. Good, <laughs> good. He's calming it down, perhaps. Uh, <laughs> question number yeah. two for you, Tony. Uh, in the history of Survivor, what has been your favourite season and least favourite season? You, you know what, Ben? I, I can't... I don't even, I don't, even, I don't uh, like, I, I don't know the season that well to say which, you know, again, I watched them all, I enjoyed them all. Uh, I think One World was, I think, you know, that's the most recent that I can remember that was a little bit boring for me, mm-hmm. was One World. Uh, the one that Heroes versus Villains was the most exciting one for me that I can remember, you know, again, I, I don't remember all the seasons, you know. That's that's fair enough. And I, but I, I, I was just going to say that um, in our recent award show, our Oscars, um, your season, Kagayan, came out on top this year as the greatest season of all time ahead of Heroes vs. Villains, which had won it the previous two years in a row. So, um, you know, there's, oh, nice. there's a little bit of a, a positive for you guys here on Kagayan. A lot of people saying recency bias, but I, I, I agree with it. I think it was a very, very good season. Awesome. You know, and editing had a lot to do with it, too. You know, you got to give the editors props because, again, they kept everybody on the edge of their seat not knowing what's going on, mm. which was really good. Very true. Question number three is always a difficult one for our married uh, guests on this show, Tony. But uh, in the history of Survivor, who to you is the sexiest ever contestant? Who's the sexiest contestant? Yes. Uh, male or female? You can give me a male and a female. <laughs> <laughs> well... Let's see. Uh, 
you know what? I'm going to go with my season, and I'm going to say the sexiest in my season, Jeremiah, mm-hmm. and as a as a male and the female, Cass. Ah, Cass, yes. <laughs> <laughs> But who cares about Morgan and Jeffer and, and Alexis when you've got Cass? Uh, uh, Cass, was, Cass was sexy with the glasses. She had that librarian look on, you know? <laughs> yes. Oh, a lot of people want to return their books to her. Um, <laughs> question number four. In the history of Survivor, or you can base this off your season two if you like, Tony, who is the greatest player never to have won? Uh... I mean, I, I, I did like Russell's game, man. You know, Russell played a, a very strong game. It was very strategic. You know, I, he could have went without the personal attacks. But other than that, I think he, you know, I think he should have won. He played a great season. I really want to see you guys play a season together because uh, we had him on a couple of weeks ago and we, he was talking about you. And despite all the little kind of fun little Twitter things you were saying, he was very commendable for your game as well, Tony. So, um, yeah. look, it's, it, it would be fun seeing you two play together. Yeah, I mean, how, you know, how will it play out, though? You know, like, uh, it's it's not, you know, it's not me versus him. It's, it's whole teams of alliances, you know? So it's really tough, hmm. to, you know, to play, like, like to a game like that. It's not really one versus the other, you know? It's like teams and alliances. So, you know, it'd be it'd be tough. I mean, if we were on the same team, it'd be different. <laughs> you know, we'd probably, you know, we'd probably be running our, our lines, hopefully. <laughs> But if we were on opposite teams, we wouldn't know what would happen. Yeah, very true. I mean, you're not usually the type of person he, he tends to pull into alliances because you're not blonde and young and pretty. But um, I, st- <laughs> I, st- yeah. I still think you two could work together well and cause some chaos. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. It'll definitely be fun for the fans. Yes. I don't know about anybody else in the game, but for the fans, it'll be fun. And that would be the most amazing final two in the history of Survivor. Uh. Oh, my God. <laughs> oh, it's amazing to think that. Uh, now, question number five. This generally only gets answered one way by our winners, but uh, I'm going to ask it to you anyway, Tony, but uh, I'll expect the, the same answer. Out of out of the winners that you do know or that you do remember, who is your least favorite winner? Oh, man, least favorite? Mm. And it gets answered the same way, huh? Well, I, I, I won't tell you what generally gets answered until you give me an answer to see if you, you fall into that same category. I'll, 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 I, won't, I won't give it away for you just yet. <laughs> yeah, no, 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 I understand. Uh, but again, man, I'm not that, you know, I'm not that, I'm not a student of the game. I really don't remember that many winners or that many, you know, I don't, re- I just remember the recent ones. Again, like the, the one that sticks to my mind is the, the one with Russell, uh, Natalie, I guess, uh, she was my least favorite mm-hmm. because I don't think she really played the game. That, that's fair enough. That, uh, generally, what winners often will say, we actually changed the, the wording of this question. I used to ask, who is the most undeserving winner? But then often we'd get the question, everyone who won deserves to win. So that's fair enough. So generally, uh-huh. uh, particularly the winners would often say, well, look, I know what it's like to win the game, so I can't have a least favorite because everyone deserves to win. And, you know, th- that's a fair enough answer. We accept that as an answer. But... Uh, I just, I, I was just intrigued. We, some winners have given uh, flat-out answers, Tony. So you know, it's good. Just <laughs> yeah, but yeah, you know, again, like I said, like I, I really wanted Russell to win that season. I guess it was a Samoa season. Yes, it was. And uh, and 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 Natalie won, and I think she won by default, and that's why I don't want to give her props. You know, I won't give her props because it was a, it was one of those, you know the bitter jury stuff, you know, mm-hmm. and she won by default. And then later on, you know, eight months later, nine months later, I think all the jurors actually said, you know what, we regretted uh, voting that way. We should have voted for Russell. We just, we, we voted on emotions. I think that that surfaced. I'm not sure if, you know, I, I could be uh, listening to what Russell's saying, but I think I read that somewhere that the jurors did say that they regretted 
not voting for Russell. Some uh, we've had a few of them on the show, and some have kind of said things on the similar page, and others have kind of said different things. I mean, it's, it's kind of you know, various things have come out. I think from that season. So, um, but yeah, yeah. A, a lot of people you know have said sort of your answer. Um, so. Yeah, it's, 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 it's a fun thing to talk about. Final question for you today, Tony. In the history of Survivor, and from what you know, basically, uh, who is the greatest ever contestant and why? Oh, man, I guess I would say Richard Hatch, man. You know, that, that's the, you know you're going into a game blind. It's the first, first game, first season, first everything. And, you know, you're coming up with alliances. You're coming up with strategy. You're coming up with all kinds of stuff that you don't have, you know, it's uncharted territory. So I'm definitely giving him his props because now, you know, as the seasons evolve, you know, you're, you're taking some stuff from the very beginning and, you, and it's evolving all the way to season 29, 30, you know? Mm-hmm. So I guess I, I definitely got to give Richard Hatch's props, man. You know, I mean, you know, again, you, you know, he went into uncharted territories and he came up with all of the planning and the strategies and the alliances and, you know, so I, I definitely say he'd, he'd definitely be the winner of all time. Has, uh, have you spoken to Richard since you won? Is he somebody that you'd like to speak to if you mm-hmm. haven't? Yeah, no, no, I haven't spoke to him, but I'd like to speak to him someday. Mm. You know, we're at a different level. You know, the guy, is, he's very intelligent, he's very educated, you know, like, you know, he, he won't even want to probably talk to someone like me. I got a high school diploma, <laughs> I won't even know what he's saying half the time. <laughs> you, you watch now, you you're going to go on an all-winner season and he's going to be on your tribe. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I'll tell him to talk llama to me. <laughs> Can, can you can you give us a quick llama before we close it off, Tony? I didn't ask you that before. You know what? Let, let me. I, I'm gonna have to step outside, right? Because I'm yeah, I don't, I don't want you. Wa- I don't want you to wake your um your, your, your kids up. I, I should have thought of that. It's late right now. <laughs> yeah, I, I'm, gonna, I'm gonna give you a little quiet llama, okay, right? Okay. I'm, walk, I'm, walk, I'm walking outside, and I'm gonna wake up the neighbors because over here it's like it's like one o'clock in the morning now. Hold on. <laughs> let me see. What am I? All right, now. All right, you ready? I'm ready. Let's go. <laughs> <laughs> perfect absolutely perfect <laughs> alright Ben it's been a pleasure man that has been absolutely fun man really appreciate this time congratulations on everything the win the baby um, it's been magnificent talking to you and uh, look we'll get we'll get you back on again in the future one time uh, do, a, do an episode All recap right. or something like that it's been a lot of fun today alright thanks a lot Ben have a good one man and a lot of fun that interview was. Still embarrassed by that impersonation. I don't think my Tony impersonation has gotten any better over the years, so I won't even attempt to try and do it again for you today. But uh, Flashback Friday, we'll return next week. We're going to do something slightly different. We've obviously been asking you to choose uh, the Flashback Friday, but we thought we'd keep it a little bit more surprising for you. Rather than getting you to choose between two, I think each Friday we're just going to bring one from our archives that we think you'd like to hear. So there might be some of the ones that we've put up that haven't quite uh, reached that um, percentage that we thought they would over the last few weeks and uh, also just some other episodes that uh, we feel need to be heard again. So stay tuned in those coming weeks. Again, we're always open to suggestions. Please don't feel free, uh, feel like we're shutting you out completely from the selection process. If there is somebody you're dying to hear again that maybe you can't find online or anything along those lines, please send us a message or comment on this post or anything along those lines, and we're happy to uh, put it out there and see how we go. Uh, Always happy to take requests as well. And also just on that too, just a reminder that there are like a bunch of interviews or episodes that perhaps you uh, do want to hear. Don't want to wait for us to put it up on Flashback Friday and you can't find. We do have access to them online readily available. So please feel free to email us. Uh, or messages and just say like, hey, I really want to hear these episodes and we'll uh, do what we can to find them for you so you can hear those episodes again. So 
Uh, it's that simple, really. And remember as well, I uh, mentioned earlier in our Australian Survivor episode during the week that we do have a feedback survey out there at the moment, which we'd really appreciate. If you could take a couple of minutes of your time to head to it, you'll find the link on our uh, Facebook page from a couple of days ago, and we'll share it again on the weekend. Also, over on Twitter, it is our pinned tweet. So click on that link and simply click on the answers. It takes you less than five minutes and it helps us uh, get a bit of feedback from you, the listener, about how we're doing, what's happening with the show and some exciting things that we have and some exciting things that we have planned for the future, which we'd appreciate hearing your viewpoint on. And remember, not just Survivor stuff you can hear. We have plenty of other content throughout the week. We have Lost recaps on Monday, Third Watch recaps on Wednesday. Movie recaps generally happen on a Thursday. We've got some Terminator and Star Wars ones starting up for you very, very soon. And uh, plenty of other content to keep you busy throughout the week on the Oz Network. Thank you for tuning in. Thank you for Tony for doing the interview several years ago. Looking forward to see you again in season 40. And until we next speak again, my name is Ben. This has been the Oz Network, and we'll speak to you next time. Good night. Thank you for listening to the Oz Network. Don't forget to subscribe to get new episodes delivered to your speakers every week. For more information, hit us up at theoznetwork.net.